When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back to Buckeye Talk, the spring game preview edition. Doug Maurice. Bill Landis, Tim Bielek, your Ohio State coverage team for Cleveland.com. And we're going to get right to it. Get ready for this. This is a 44-player draft of all players currently on the Ohio State roster. No freshmen who are not currently enrolled yet. If they are enrolled, they can be drafted. We are pretending all players are healthy and ready to go. This is Bill Landis versus Tim Bielek. This is a rapid-fire 22-round draft with occasional mockery from me, the commissioner, Doug Maurice. The first pick goes to Tim Bielek. Tim, you're up. Who's your first pick? Nick Bosa. Damn it! <laughs> Nick Bosa at defensive end goes to Team Bielek. Landis, who's your pick? J.K. Dobbins. J.K. Dobbins at running back goes to Team Landis with the second pick. Bielek. Uh, I will go with quarterback Dwayne Haskins. Haskins goes to Team Tim with the third overall pick. Bill Landis. Can we, can we mock that pick? Mock that pick? That's a bad pick, man. There's no value in that pick. Isaiah Prince. Isaiah Prince at left tackle, fourth overall pick to Bill Landis. Tim Bielek. Uh, Chase Young. Chase Young. I thought he's just paired Bosa and Young, and I think maybe Landis could have done something to try to stop that before that happened, and he did not. No. Bill Landis. I feel okay about it. Pick six. My pick six is... Draymond Jones. That's who I thought you were going to pick. I think that's a good pick. Draymond Jones at defensive tackle. Tim Bielek, pick seven. I'm going to go offensive line, Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan goes to left guard for Tim Bielek with the seventh pick. Eighth pick, Bill Landis. Ooh, this is hard. Uh, Kendall Sheffield. Kendall Sheffield at corner. Top corner off the board with the eighth pick to Team Landis. Tim Bielek. Uh, I'm going to go running back. Uh, I'll go Mike Weber. All right. That's a tried and true pick, trying to stay within the actual boundaries of stuff. You could have picked Mike Weber like last, last, considering that Bill has his running back. But I also like staying true to sort of like Mike Weber's not the 44th best player on the roster. So I think where we can, this is not just strategy to try to build the best team. I think we're trying to reflect what we think the best players on this team are. So I appreciate Tim staying true to that idea. Bill Landis, number 10. Jordan Fuller. Jordan Fuller. Tim Bielek has been so effusive in his praise of Jordan Fuller this spring, I'm a little surprised he let him fall to Bill Landis. Tim Bielek, the 11th pick. I will go cornerback Jeffrey Okuda. Okuda 
number 11 at corner, and I'll see what Landis does to react here. Pick 12. I was going to take Okuda, actually. So you beat me to the punch. I will take Austin Mack. Austin Mack, first receiver off the board. That is some indication of something. Our first receiver is the 12th overall pick. Number 13, Tim. Might go off the board a little bit. I need a tackle. Give me Thayer Munford. I, I think that's a good pick. That's I mean, he's pick. clearly he's clearly the other starter. So I think that's a smart pick. you got to build that offensive line. That's pick 13. Bill Landis, pick 14. Uh, this is not necessarily a reflection of where I think this guy ranks in terms of talent in the roster. I just think it is probably... The shallowest position on the team in terms of depth. So I'm taking Brady Taylor. Brady Taylor goes to center for Bill Landis, trying to build that offensive line with the 14th pick. Tim, number 15. Give me a game breaker. I'm taking Paris Campbell. I think that's a good pick. I think I think he could have gone higher, but I think that's a good pick. And I guess you guys should each. I think you would naturally do it anyway. You should probably just try to have an H. You know, right? Your three receivers are are two eight, two outside receivers and an H. We don't want you putting. Ben Victor at H, right? No, nope. correct. And I agree. Like I ranking the receivers, I would rank Paris Campbell ahead of Austin Mack, but he took Dwayne Haskins, and I'm not letting Dwayne Haskins have his boy, so I took Austin Mack Ooh, ahead of Paris Campbell. Good strategy. That's next yeah. level thinking right there. Okay. All right, number sixteen, Bill. Another position that I think is not particularly deep is tight end, so I'm taking Rashad Berry. Rashad Berry goes to Bill at number sixteen. Tim, number seventeen. Um. It's a hard one right now. Now it gets now it gets tricky. Um, I think I'm going to go linebacker. I will say tough Borland. I no need, linebackers picked yet. I was going to go linebacker with my next pick because I need someone who's going to control the run game defensively. Tough Borland in the middle. Pick number seventeen. Landis number eighteen. I will go with uh, defensive tackle Robert Landers. Defensive oh. tackle Robert Landers. Again, I feel like Bill is going out of his way to take Tim Bielek favorites. That is correct. BB, Tim is already trying to craft a trade. Tim is willing to trade you uh, Chase Young and Nick Bosa for Jordan Fuller and BB Landers. <laughs> and a future first-round pick. Yeah. All right. BB Landers is 18. Tim, who's number 19? Um... I guess I gotta go defensive interior and say Haskell Garrett. Haskell Garrett, Tim building that line puts Haskell Garrett with Bosa and Young. That was a nineteenth pick, correct? Nineteenth pick, Landis number twenty. Uh, give me Demetrius Knox. Demetrius Knox is going to your right guard spot. I'm assuming. I'm gonna throw him at left guard. Not that it matters. Okay. He's a guard. Yeah. Okay. That's number 20. We're going to do two more picks, and then we'll pause at number 22 briefly because that's our halfway point. Tim, 21st pick is who? Uh, i got to go offensive line again. I will say Brandon Bowen. Brandon Bowen. And are you putting him at tackle or guard? I think I'll make him my left tackle. I f- okay. I think he's got good left tackle size, obviously 6'7", 312". In this universe where he doesn't have a broken, where he didn't break his leg in the middle of the season, I feel like he's healthy and has no problem sliding over there. I think he's the third best tackle on the team. For right? sure. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. All right, Landis, number 22, and then we'll pause. Demario McCall. Demario McCall at H. Mac and McCall. That's number 22. All right, we're halfway through. Let's see. Tim has one, two, three, four, five, six offense and six defense. Five defense. 
Oh, no, five defense, right? Guys. One, two, three, four, five, right? And then one, two, three, four, five, six, seven offense for Bill, who only has four defense so far. Interesting. Okay. This is going to get harder in the second half. Yeah. If you guys thought that was hard, rapid fire. Wait till you're picking like in the 30s. You know what? I'm I'm honestly having a complex about is who I'm going to take as my quarterback because I have my pick. You do. You can but make I don't that. Know who I want. But I, and that's going to be my last pick. But I don't know who I want. That's why I took <laughs> that. That's why I took that one early. I mean, it wouldn't have changed it either way. I still, I, I wouldn't have picked quarterback early because I, of the three, I don't know who I want. You're going to build. You are going to let him take his quarterback and then build yes. the rest of your team. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But you thought Dobbins Weber is enough of a difference that you made Dobbins your first overall pick. Yeah, I think Dobbins is like is the best offensive playmaker. So, yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Pick number 23, Tim Bielek. Where do you go? Uh, I need another receiver. I'm taking. I'm getting some more speed. I'll take Johnny Dixon. Dixon at 23 to Tim to pair also with his best friend. See, he did get those yeah, two guys together. It's, it's nice. He didn't get Mac and Haskins, but he got Paris and Johnny Dixon. Nice. He's got Fuller and he's got Sheffield, so i got to stretch that secondary. Okay. Landis, number 24. Baron Browning. Baron Browning, you put him in the middle or outside? Middle. Browning in the middle. That's your first linebacker. The 24th pick. Still building that defense. Tim, 25. Isaiah Pryor. Isaiah Pryor. That's a starter. That's a, a probable starter lasting that far at an important spot. Good pick. 26, Landis. Malik Harrison. Malik Harrison. That's, that's, a, that's a sure starter. Yeah, lasting that long. We know Malik Harrison's going to start at one of those outside linebacker spots. 27, Tim. Um, I probably should go linebacker again. Uh, I'm going to go with Keandre Jones. Keandre Jones. There's a guy out there that I'm shocked has not been picked yet. Absolutely shocked he's not been picked because I think there's a line in the sand. And uh, you guys are letting the guy hang out there. I'll tell you when you pick him. 28, Landis. I'm trying to figure out who that is now. I don't know. Maybe it's not not as much of a line in the sand as I think, and maybe that's why he's there. Who did you just take, Tim? He just took um, Keandre Keandre Jones Jones at linebacker. That was the 27th pick? 27th. Oh, boy. Now I'm nervous. Um, Who's playing safety this year? This is, I'm looking at this old depth chart. Eric Smith's on there. That's not right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I will take uh, Damon Arnett. That's the guy. That's I mean that's, starter last year, but I think there's questions about him, right? Like because he got his number changed. Because he got his number changed, but also I Jeffrey Okuda is better. And Kendall Sheffield's better, right? But and then so there is a fourth guy, and this I mean it's the guy that Tim's gonna pick as his other corner. So if you believe in that guy a lot, he hasn't played, but if you believe in that guy, then maybe you aren't that hepped up to take Damon Arnett. Yeah, and I don't but, know I don't know if that and I didn't take that guy over Damon Arnett, but I but think that I would prefer. I think there's a pretty – we think there's a top three at corner. Yeah. So that's why I thought letting that yeah. third guy go that far would surprise me a little bit. All right, Tim, pick twenty nine. Who you got? Sean Wade. That's the guy. I thought you were. I initially thought you were referring to Wade over Arnett because I feel like I have a lot like, of questions about Tim's draft strategy of drafting guys at positions that I have filled already. Well, but again, it's, it's Sean Wade's a good player. He's 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 staying true to uh, the ranking. I think of the players on the roster as they stand. Yeah. Plus, we know that 
Joe Burrow, if Joe Burrow or Tate Martell, whoever is going to be the 44th pick in this draft, they're not the 44th best player on the roster. Correct. So I do think we want a balance of strategy and true ranking of player. Who's number 30, Landis? Who? Um, I'm going to go with... Look at the... You each have two offensive line spots yet to fill. I'm going to go with Brendan White. Oh. Brendan White is your other safety. So, for instance, also, like, Landis is going to save his two defensive end spots for the end. Correct. Because Tim has Young and Bosa. And so, like, Jonathan Cooper is not the 41st best player on this roster, but that's where he's going to get picked, which is fine. I yeah. get that. But, but yeah, Landis has a couple spots that he doesn't need to fill the way it worked. All right, Tim, who you got? 31. Um, I'm going to go offense. I think I'm going to go offensive line again. And uh, I'm gonna go Josh Myers. Josh Myers, he's your center. center. Yeah, he's he's the number two center right now. You've got number one in Brady Taylor. I do, and I, and I I still I said this when we talked about position battles to watch in the spring game. I'm not totally sure what the separation is there. Yeah, at center, but I think it'll be interesting to watch that in the spring game on Saturday. Yeah, I think we'll get a real. That's going to be a very interesting guy to watch. Like, does Josh Myers? We know Josh Myers is a skilled football player, but he's young. Is he snapping the ball all over the field? Or is he getting the ball to the quarterback and mauling guys? Right. I think either's on the table. Yeah. Um, he's a major guy to watch in the spring game. 32, Landis. I will go... Boy, I'm going receiver. Receiver's tough. You each need a receiver. You each need a linebacker still. That's another yeah. spot where you yeah. guys have choices to make. K.J. Hill. K.J. Hill. Good choice. Mac, McCall, and Hill. So you're playing Hill outside. I think, obviously, we've yeah. talked about that a lot. We think Hill can play. He has been an H-back. We wouldn't be surprised if he winds up outside um, this year. But I kind we, of immediately regret the decision, by the way. We we uh, um, haven't had a chance to really ask about that because K.J. Hill's been hurt this spring. But I think how K.J. – K.J. Hill's going to be a big part of this offense, and I think he's versatile enough that – Depending how much Demario McCall comes on, depending how much of the other outside receivers do or don't show up in preseason practice, I think that'll help influence where KJ Hill plays. Thirty-three, Tim, who you got? I was torn between two front seven guys. I'm going to go for some youth at defensive tackle. I'm going to go Tommy Togiai. Ooh, that guy's been showing up. That guy's been showing up. That was a thirty-third pick, right? Yep. This spring, first. True freshman drafted. You got a young, two young defensive tackles to pair with Bosa and Young. I, you, you got Garrett and Togiai. I figure with two super, two the two best defensive ends is going to take a lot of pressure off the interior and let those guys just play free. Okay, Landis. So I think the remaining linebackers are interesting. I'm going to go with the guy who Urban Meyer can't stop talking about, Pete Werner. Oh. And that sigh from Tim Bielek means I was correct in my pick. I was I was torn between him and Togi. I was going to make Warner my enforcer of the defense. You guys are buying in on uh, Pete Warner, huh? Well, okay. I mean, consider him among the other options. I don't like certainly he's he's a notch below the guys we've already picked. But so the other options are Justin Hilliard and Dante Booker. Dante Booker, and isn't there somebody else or no? I think Urban mentioned Dallas Gann in particular. Dallas yeah. Gann, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's a tough spot now. That's a tough spot 
for Tim because he has Borland, who can probably only play the middle. I got a lot. I got a lot of interchangeable. Pieces. You got interchangeable parts. I think. I think that we'll have to see. All right, Tim, thirty-five. Who you got? Uh, I'm gonna round on my offense. I need some size at receiver, so I'm gonna go Ben Victor. Ben Victor. Give me a red zone target. Ben Ooh. Victor. That's surprising. Thirty-five. Thirty-six. Landis, who you got? Uh, uh what do I have that Tim doesn't have? Oh, uh, what's his name? Wyatt Davis. Wyatt Davis going to a guard spot. Okay, 36. We're almost done. Uh, Tim Bielek, 37. You need a tight end, an offensive lineman, a linebacker, and a safety. uh, One more safety. I'm going to go Amir Reap. I'm going to go with a guy, him because he's a converted corner, and I feel like his coverage ability will be needed with Pryor, who I feel like is more of a strong right now. Although we've yet to see kind of his true coverage ability. So who who did you take Reap ahead of? Who else could you have taken? I took, Wayne Davis, Jocelyn Wint. Um, that's probably yeah, Wint's been are, mentioned this spring, right? Yeah. Yep. Okay. All right. So that's pick thirty-seven. All right, thirty-eight, Landis. Okay. So I'm now down to positions that Tim already has filled. So quarterback, offensive line, and your two defensive ends. Yeah. So I'll just go. John. Well, no, but there's an offensive. Well, yeah, you could. He has two tackles and I yeah. need tackles. So I'm just going to go Jonathan Cooper. Jonathan Cooper. Who again Clearly is not the thirty eighth best player on the roster? He's the third defensive end, but that is that is a spot where Tim's strategy. I mean, cl- clearly Tim has better defensive ends than you, but it's all a balance. It's all a balance. Thirty nine, Tim. I'm gonna finish off the offensive line. Go Matt Burrell. Slide him in at right guard. Okay, Burrell at thirty nine. Forty, Landis. Defensive end, offensive line, quarterback. I'll take my last defensive end and Jay Sean Cornell. Cornell. 40-41, Tim. Tight end or linebacker? Um, going linebacker, I already got Borland as my middle linebacker. I'm going to go uh, Dallas Gant outside. I feel like he's more of an outside guy. Get two pure outside guys to pair with Borland in the middle. Let him do his thing. 42, Landis. Quarterback or offensive line? Josh Allaby at right tackle. Allaby at right tackle. Tim, finish it up. Who's your tight end? Luke Farrell. Luke Farrell. And... Mr. Irrelevant is Bill's quarterback at 44. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I don't – I'm not in love with my offensive line, so I need a mobile quarterback. Give me uh, Tate Martell. Oh, my God. <laughs> you drafted a bad offensive line on purpose just so you could draft Tate? <laughs> he played the long game. Oh, my God. Yeah, good luck, Tate. Chase Young and Nick Bosa are coming for you. Wow. Okay. Let's run through this real quick. Tim, Dwayne Haskins at quarterback, throwing to Paris Campbell, Johnny Dixon, and Ben Victor. Luke Farrell at tight end, handing off to Mike Weber. Offensive line, Brandon Bowen at left tackle. Your guards are Michael Jordan and Matt Burrell. Thayer Munford, your right tackle, and Josh Myers in the middle. So that's that offense. Let's compare that to Bill's offense. Tate Martell handing off to J.K. Dobbins, throwing to Austin Mack, Demario McCall, and K.J. Hill. Rashad Berry at tight end. Offensive line. Isaiah Prince, the left tackle. Guards are Demetrius Knox and Wyatt Davis. Josh Allaby at right tackle. And Brady Taylor at center. Whose offense is better? I feel like Bill's offensive... Well, is it? I like... I the left side of my offensive line I think is really good. 
Because you have Knox and Prince. I have Knox and Prince, and I like Taylor. Like, um, yeah, yeah. My, my the right side is weak, the left side is strong. But I think, like, I don't even know. I think Tim's line's a little unbalanced. I need a strong interior because you have Draymond and BB Lander, so I needed a good interior offensive line. But I don't know that you have that. I mean, you have Michael Jordan. It's you. I mean, this is how it works. You divide it up the starters pretty much. I mean, if you think like there's six starters, because if you don't know if Bowen or Knox is going to be a starter at guard, yeah, you each have three. Bill has yeah. Prince, Taylor, and Knox, and Tim has Bowen, Jordan, and Munford. Munford. So. Yeah. I don't know. It's kind of even, and you kind of split the receivers too. <clears throat> I like my receivers more. You like Mac, McCall, and Hill better than Campbell, Dixon, and Victor. The only one of his receivers I would want is Campbell, and I was actually surprised that he took Victor instead of Jalen Harris. Like I know Victor has played and Harris hasn't, but I would have taken Jalen Harris. Yeah, Jalen Harris undrafted. Um, we might be on the Jalen Harris hype train a little bit too. Very possible. Okay, that's interesting. And then we have it split up. It's like Tim has the quarterback, but you have the number one running back, Bill. So, yeah. yeah. Tim, whose offense do you think is better? Be honest. Uh, I am an like outside of quarterback. I think Bill's got the Bill's got the better team set up around Tate Martell. I mean, number one running back. He's got the number one receiver and the number one tight end. You know, those three elements are hard to combat. Okay. Even though I think Dwayne Haskins is number one quarterback, I tried to get guys that I think could kind of complement his arm strength. All right. D- defense. Tim's defensive line is Bosa, Young, Garrett, and Togiai. Bill's defensive line is Cooper, Cornell, Jones, and Landers. I like Tim's defensive line better. I know it's basically yeah. Bill has the two starting tackles and Tim has his two starting ends. But but those are Tim made Bosa his first pick and Young his third pick, and he focused there, and I think it made a difference. Yeah. And then, again, Draymond Jones is really good. I mean, I think, you know, there's some other guys. I don't know, Davon Hamilton and uh, uh, who else is there at tackle that could have been picked that wasn't? Um, Davon like, Hamilton. Uh, you took Garrett, right? So it's like Davon Hamilton, uh, like Malik Barrow. Malik Barrow. Malik yeah. Barrow or Antoine Jackson. But we think it's possible that Garrett and Togiai are guys who were playing with – Garrett for sure, and Togi is a true freshman. Seems to have had a good spring. Yeah, like mm-hmm. I, if I were ranking the, the straight defensive tackles, Jones and Landers are certainly one and two. I think there's a conversation to be had at three between Haskell Garrett and Davon Hamilton. Yeah, and then if Tommy Togi ended up being the fourth, I wouldn't be surprised by that. Okay, linebackers: Tim, Keandre Jones, Tough Borland, Dallas Gant, Bill, Malik Harrison, Baron Browning, Pete Werner. I have better linebackers. Yeah, I wouldn't dispute that. Okay. Defensive backfield, Bill, Sheffield, Arnett, Fuller, and White. Tim, Okuda, Wade, Pryor, and Reap. Again, it's like Bill has the two veteran corners. Tim has the two young corners. You each have a starter at safety. I don't know. It's pretty close. Yeah, when it comes to my starting secondary, I kind of went with the idea of I got I got two stud defensive ends. I can afford to have guys who can be sort of on an island, and I want versatility. I want my defense, my back seven to be able to run to the ball. And that's that was my strategy with linebackers. I want linebackers that are going to fly all over the field. And corners I can trust to put on an island because I know I don't have the security blanket in Jordan Fuller. Okay. You thought a lot more about your roster construction than I did. Bill thought yeah. Kendall Sheffield's good. Yep. That was Bill's thinking. All right. Fuller is good. Oh, but I think, I think uh, on the whole, I think Tim probably has the better defense. Certainly okay. better defensive line. 
and it's it's conversation about the secondary. So I think I'd give him the better defense. So as we did this though, and this is supposed to be an exercise that is entertaining for our listeners, not just for us sitting in the basement. What did this tell you about Ohio State's too deep? Do you feel good about Ohio State's too deep right now? Thinking about as you just went through and tried to draft players, were you thinking more like, oh my God, who am I going to take? I can't find a good player. Or was it more like, oh, I could take this guy or this guy. There's plenty of guys to choose from. This is 44 players. These are the guys who are going to be on the field. I mean, there's a couple, Jalen Harris and, and, um, I'm trying to think who else, who else jumped. You know, Justin Hilliard, there's a couple guys that didn't get picked. Yeah. But this is basically the guys that are going to be on the field in the fall. How'd you feel? I felt pretty good about the defense. Um, I never, I didn't feel like, especially at the end when like I had, I had essentially last pick of defensive end. Um, it was a defensive end and I think safety. And I felt pretty good about that. Um, I was surprised at how insecure I felt about the offensive line depth. Even in a year or spring, I guess, where we talked about the depth there being a little better than it's been in the past, it's been a major concern of Urban Myers over the last you know two or three years. And even still, once we got past the starters, I was like, eh, I don't know, I don't know about this. So the the area that was concerning for me was offensive line. I think we know the top guys are the top guys. I think after that is kind of you have a mish- mishmash of about twenty guys. I think that are kind of, you know, can be good. They have a lot of potential. And I think the linebacker position in particular kind of stands out to me because after we kind of took Tough Borland and Baron Browning, then we kind of – I was kind of wringing my hands about, you know, when to take another guy. And as you as you heard by my reaction when Bill took Pete Warner, I was a bit dismayed. And some people might not be as high on Pete Warner, for example. Um, it's just different – it's just – we there's a lot of young players really start – they're going to have their chance to break in. I think this is – Again, that time where you're going to start to see those really good recruiting classes of 2016 and 17, even more so in the past, start to prolifer- proliferate their way into the too deep. All right. Enough of that. That was fun. That no, was... Let's redraft. I don't like my team. You don't like your team? <laughs> too bad. All right. That was 24 minutes of that. Draft number two coming up right after this break. No, just kidding. We're going to get to your questions. This is our spring game preview. We hope that told you a little bit about how we think of the roster. Now, couple basics about the spring game on Saturday. It's going to start around 1.30, right? Uh, I think it's a tentative start time of 1.45. Okay. There's lacrosse a lacrosse game at 11. There's always a lacrosse game before it, so the lacrosse game influences a little bit when it starts. There's only about 70,000 seats because they're doing construction. So there's like 40,000 fewer seats or 30, 35,000 fewer seats than usual. And we in the last couple of years have had 100,000 attended spring game. So when we talked to Ohio State last and we have not had a report from them in a day, when we talked to Ohio State last, there still were tickets available. They're $5 tickets but I would not guarantee the fact that there will be walk-up tickets available. If you think you want to go, I would get online at Ticketmaster or through Ohio State's website and try to get a ticket. Yep. A lot of guys aren't going to play. This is just your little primer, and then we'll talk about everything about that happened this spring. K.J. Hill's not going to play. Jeffrey Okuda's not going to play. Dante Booker's not going to play. Michael Jordan's not going to play. There have been a lot of guys who have been hurt all spring. Tough Borland's not going to play. Um, 
There's going to be some veterans who probably will be limited. I think some of the veteran receivers won't play that much. I think maybe Isaiah Prince at left tackle maybe won't play that much. We don't know. He might not play at all. He might not play at all. We don't know how they're going to split up the reps at quarterback exactly. We don't know exactly if they're going to be Burrow on one team, Haskins on another, Martell back and forth, if they'll all be back and forth. Um, but we should, we, there's no reason that the quarterbacks won't play. And we don't know exactly like who's going to be live and who's not going to be live. Yeah. If you had to guess, as we don't have that information right now, will they all be live? Like they don't make veterans, like JT Barrett wasn't live in spring game past, right? Was he? He was not. But like is Dwayne Haskins to the level of like don't make him live, but like Tate Martell is live? Or is nobody live? Or do do yeah, they want to see the quarterbacks play a game? Like everything. Because if you don't have Tate Martell live, I don't think you're giving Tate Martell the best chance to show what he can do. Yeah. But but if it's a three-way battle, how would you make Martell live and Haskins or Burrow not? I don't know. I would, I would make all three of them live. Last year... Uh, Barrett, Haskins, and Burrow were not live, but I believe Tate Martell was. And that's just like he wasn't uh, – I guess we shouldn't say that. Like He wasn't wearing a black jersey. Tate Martell wasn't. And his only – he got like a handful of snaps and he ran the ball and he scored a touchdown. And it looked like they were trying to hit him. And they couldn't. Um, and I think you – and live means that you can be tackled. That's yeah. what we mean by that. And I think if you're able to be tackled, that's still – they still don't want Baron Browning to try to – Break Tate Martell in half. Yeah, you know, there's a way that you can play. But I think I think you want the quarterbacks to know that they can get hit, right? Because I think there's, and I don't, whatever. I've never played quarterback, but there's probably something to the idea of like, no matter what happens, I know I'm not getting hit. And it's one of those things again. If Chase Young beats Josh Allaby and has Joe Burrow's blindside teed up and looks like he could rip his legs off his body, don't do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but. You want Joe Burrow in the pocket trying to make a play with the realization that I might have pressure coming from my backside and I need to make a decision and get out of here because I might get hit at least. Because I think it's even, it's just psychological. If you know that Chase Young's not going to kill you, then you might stand in a little bit longer and make a throw that in a game you wouldn't be able to make, right? Yeah. Like you want the yeah. true read on all these guys. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And I, so I would make all three of them live. All right, so we don't we don't know what's going to happen, but um, that's the plan. We think it'll be interesting, and and it's just it's always just a different thing when like the 2015 spring game when they returned all every player practically from a national championship team, not every player, but many, many, many. You know what your team is. You know what the deal is. So you go to the spring game, and it's just a celebration of what you already know. This game is not that. This game is not a celebration of what you already know, even though there's a lot of receivers back, even though you know what J.K. Dobbins and Mike Weber can do. There's guys on the offensive line. There's guys in the secondary. There's guys at linebacker. Um, different looks at defensive end. This is, a, this is a chance for some guys who haven't done a lot to do something. So I think it's a good spring game to watch. And we will be there. So make sure you follow our coverage at cleveland.com the rest of this week and up to the spring game on Saturday. Full coverage. All kinds of stuff. We will do a post-game podcast like we did all last fall. So we'll have an evaluation of the game up sometime on Saturday 
after it's over. Is there anything else we want to do to give a spring game primer before we get to questions? It's on Big Ten Network. If you can't make it. I don't know who the broadcasters are just yet, but usually they have a former player. Like in the past, it's been Bobby Carpenter. I wouldn't be surprised if it was him again. Um, For those that are going, bring a poncho. It is supposed to rain. It's a 100% chance of rain right now, according to Weather Channel, so that means pretty darn good chance you might need a poncho. Yeah. Or or if you don't have a poncho, get seating under in that in that B deck area where you can stay dry because I imagine and get there early if that's the case because I imagine that's going to be a pretty popular seat. I was going to get caramel corn for today and I forgot to because somebody reminded me. Uh, I'm looking at the questions and Chris at C underscore Keck reminded me that there is a caramel corn store in Uptown Westerville. Oh. That just sells popcorn. It just sells flavored popcorn. You could stop on your way home if you want to. Or I will get it for a, a future Buckeye Talk episode where we will sit in the basement and eat flavored popcorn. They have like 20 different kinds of toppings. That it's not, and it's not it toppings. Nervous. It yeah. nervous. No, don't be nervous. I would be on board for that. So, and I know people love when we eat. So, um, <laughs> thank you for Chris, to see Chris Keck for that question. And uh, I do acknowledge that we will eat popcorn at some point because last week Bill Landis said he'd never had caramel corn. All right, let's get to our five-star review of the week. We know that L.A. Hall at lucky number SI7 tweeted, who do I need to bribe with food to get my five-star review mentioned? It's the most in-depth review of all time. And ha- have we found that review? I I have not. I mean, is there anything that's under lucky number SI7? Or SL7. Oh, now I found it. Is it, it super in-depth? Yeah, it's like five, six, seven paragraphs. And seven four. paragraphs? Yeah, and it is detailed. It almost looks like something you would write like on a website or, you know, you, you would like in like just a review column. So I will give them. Oh, can boy, we this, hit, is, this is long. Holy can we crap. hit the highlights of the L.A. Hall <laughs> 700 word review because I don't think we want to read the whole thing. Can we hit hit his main two or three points as we give a shout out well, to someone who took this time? Well, how about we go to the bottom line? He's like, bottom line, Buckeye Talk is a great young podcast that is still trying to find its footing within the genre. It would benefit with a producer with technical experience and audio content creation and further development and organization of his core content. As far as I know, it is the only worthwhile TOSU football podcast out there right now. Hopefully, Bill, Tim, and Doug, he spelled your name Doug with an H at the end, so it says Doe. Nice. We'll continue Ooh, like to build the platform so it can reach its full potential for the tens of thousands of Buckeyes that no longer live in the Buckeye State. Signed, at lucky number, SI7, Phoenix, Arizona. Wow. He also said... uh my limited understanding of the show's demographics would indicate to me that the bulk of their audience is, like me, interested in Ohio State football content alone. I would suggest that they dedicate this podcast to football and create a new podcast under a different name for basketball. Oh. Oh, but he didn't say – I thought he was going to say uh, create a different podcast He for also food. said I would highly encourage them to refrain from profanity during their broadcasts. Do we curse? You did in the first minute when I took Nick Bosa. Oh, what did he say? I said, damn. Yeah. Oh, is that really a curse word? <laughs> if no, you want to, come from. If you want to get technical, I guess you could say that. It's also a large uh, 
cement structure used to block water. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so that's a that's a thorough review from L.A. Hall, who lives in Phoenix. So thank you to L.A. Hall for taking the time on that. Do we have any other? Uh, we don't try to swear. Um, and and I would like to say I wanted to address this briefly. This is a, a get serious moment of the okay. Buckeye Talk podcast. As um, the suggestion of like getting someone with like uh, editing experience to like edit our podcast or with technical expertise, mm-hmm. Cleveland.com just offered buyouts to people this week. That's been out there in the news. Uh, I was at the meeting when they offered those buyouts. It's for a it's for uh, people who have been at the company at least fifteen years. Again, that's been reported. Um, none of us have been at the company fifteen years, so none of us are eligible for the buyout. So none of the three of us are going anywhere. So um, that is happening at Cleveland.com. The journalism field is in a tough spot. It's been in a tough spot for a very long time. It's going to continue to be in a tough spot. So we're probably not getting a producer. But we also don't think we're going anywhere. So if you read about that, if you heard about that, um, the three of us aren't going anywhere. We have, at this point, point no expectation that anything is changing with the Ohio State coverage. We, of course, will continue to cover Ohio State, but that is just the reality of many, many media companies. And so it's unfortunate. It's the way it goes. We're going to continue to try to bring you uh, interesting content, different kinds of content. Um, we're always open for new ideas. We Things may change in like how the things we offer you in covering the team, but we're never going to stop covering Ohio State football because we know we have a huge loyal audience, and I just wanted to say that. But, man, it'd be sweet to have a producer. It's, like, funny to me when I listen to a podcast and they're like, thank you to our researcher, thank you to our two (laughs) producers, and I'm like, (sighs) Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, I'd love to have a research department. Your research department. Yeah. All right. Do we have what's the other uh, what's the other five star review of the week? Well, I'm torn between two, and I will say the reviewers this week stepped their game up. I mentioned last week we didn't get a lot; we only got maybe two. This week we got a bunch. I'm gonna go with two because I'm just torn. This one from Thursday from Emily Blewett. She the title is the quote the peep itself is not as good as a dot dot dot, and I say dot 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 because I'm reading it on an iPhone, and I'm assuming. This this goes back to the discussion we had last week about peeps, and I think you said something about the peep itself is not as good as a marshmallow. Uh, that's funny. It starts, quote, it is coated in sugar, attributed to Douglas B. Davis Lamarice. I'm going to guess what the B stands for. And what? I'm confused now. Their joke was your middle initial is, is B. Davis, as in Bill. Oh, <laughs> I get it. The, she says, this is the type of quality hot take I have come to love and expect from Buckeye Talk. Buckeyes, Peeps, Chick-fil-A, Chili's, Philly, CrossFit, Square Pizza, and Tate Martell. If you don't love me and my Ari Wasserman, then you don't deserve me and my Tim Bielek. <laughs> I'm dying. Also, <coughs> and and I've made Doug not be able to breathe for five oh seconds. Oh, my God. I'm sick. Also, Bill Landis is fantastic. Yep. I didn't oh. write that. So thank you, Emily. And oh. the other one I'm torn with. Was torn with was from C.P. Kramo. He calls it a weekly must-have podcast. 
This is from Monday. He says, great deep dive Buckeye podcast. This weekly gem is always full of great info, but also a very consistent format. You can expect Bill to provide meaningful information and statistics based in fact and critical observation. Doug is going to spend the vast majority of the podcast telling Bill why he's wrong and eloquently yelling at clouds. Every once in a while, Tim, who I picture sitting cross-legged on the floor with a Capri Sun, wondering why Bill and Doug are fighting again, will chime in with how this is going to be Rutgers' year in football. Also, this is not a podcast for vegans. Oh, I will say, yeah. CB Cremo, I have learned my lesson from my second podcast. That's funny. You yeah. know what a producer could have done? What? Edit out there, your coughing fit. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm sorry I made Doug cough and that reaction. Okay. That meme, that review had one of my favorite things as a child of the 90s and someone who is fascinated by internet memes that spoke to me so thank you emily and cb cramo co five-star reviews of the week and we finally got suggestions for the name the segment oh really we i got two uh suggestions and please keep sending them one we find one we really love we'll pick we'll go with that i actually like the idea of just keeping asking people to send them and then never pick one. Oh yeah so. okay we do that too kyle brandenburg at mad cow design cow with a k mm-hmm. wants us called the buckeye talk value menu item of the week That's good. yeah Oh, that'd be good. And then Scott Duda, at Scott Duda, he says, rather than go with a five-star, how about some love for the only quarterback not prior Braxton or JT to lead the Buckeyes to a title in the history of the pod? The quote, and I'm sure I'm butchering the pronunciation, is the Dale Review of the Week in honor of Cardale Jones. Yeah. So, to which I, I jokingly, I joked with Doug before we started recording, why not we just call it the Play School Review of the Week? We'll keep thinking. Yeah. Yeah. We'll keep thinking. Keep sending us your recommendations. I mean, I'm glad we finally got some. Keep sending them our way. We'll we'll read the best ones, and then maybe someday down the road we'll pick one. Or maybe not. All right, listen. Let's talk football. People want some football. Who stands to walk away as the biggest winners from the spring game? This is from our man Goon at Goon4218. Is this game the deciding factor for Joe Burrow? I think that's that's do that's two separate things. Now, if you go to Cleveland.com this week, we have videos on young player who could break out, the like unknown person who could be the MVP of the spring game. We can also get into some of that here. But who do you think could be the biggest winners from the spring game? A guy that needs a good game that you think could have a good game. Ooh. Um like quarterbacks aside, or are we including quarterbacks? No, I, I think that's. I mean, yeah. we have to get to the Joe Burrow question too, but we can say yeah. that. No, I, I, I don't know. I don't know if one like. Uh, I think receivers interesting. Like you said, like I, I don't expect to see much of Paris Campbell. KJ Hill's hurt. I don't think Terry McLaurin will play a ton, and I think we wonder how they're going to pare down this receiver rotation and if anyone young can like can crack it. Frankly, so I'm kind of curious to see what Jalen Harris might do because I think he'll play a ton. And if he plays a ton and he's really good, then that can position him uh, well, I think, to, to be a guy who's among the top six in the fall. Outside of that receiver position, I don't, like uh, interior offensive line, like I don't think we know. I think Brady Taylor, I think this could be a big game for Brady yeah, Taylor. Yeah, like yeah. Brady Taylor holding off Josh Myers, but also like who's the other guard? And Brandon Bowen is not going to play because he's also injured. So like if Demetrius Knox plays, I mean he was good last year, Demetrius Knox. But if he plays and has a really good spring game, then maybe he can really get a hold of that guard spot. And then Brandon Bowen's kind of like a man without a position almost. 
which yeah. like sucks for him because he's hurt and he can't play. But I think it's just I don't know how it goes sometimes. I kind of I kind of think Bowen and Knox both played well enough because they both started last year. Bowen started at the start, he got hurt. Knox came in and started, and they both played well. I just feel like that competition needs both of them to be healthy. So yeah. I don't know that that yeah. competition can end with the spring game because when Brandon Bowen is healthy and ready in the preseason, then you just line up Knox and Bowen every day and say, win the job and see what happens. I do think Demario McCall, and that's not just because he's our guy, Tim's pointing. Demario McCall has been a guy who has flashed like in garbage time. Mm-hmm. If Demario McCall is doing things against a decent part of the first team defense, for instance, do you think that that can make a difference for him, Tim? Yeah, I think so. I mean, we knew coming into the spring this is going to be a big spring for him. He's healthy. Um, he's got a chance to be the return guy. So we're not going to see return stuff till September when Ohio State opens the season. So it'll be a chance to see what he can do in the constructs of the offense. And the other thing I'm curious about is, and I wish we had the roster. We don't have the rosters in our hands right now. We should get them Thursday. We should. That's what I was told. Yeah. Okay. Will Dwayne Haskins and Austin Mack be on the same team? Because they're friends. I think they're roommates. We've talked about that in the offseason. I think that that is actually a thing. And I will be very curious if they're on the same team and if we see anything that says, boy, not just that Dwayne Haskins look good and Austin Mack look good, but that this Dwayne Haskins, Austin Mack, they have something. Now, and that I think that can be exaggerated at times, too. Because, listen, if Joe Burrow wins the starting quarterback job, Austin Mack very well may still have a great year. And if Dwayne Haskins wins the starting quarterback job, he's going to throw a lot of great passes to Johnny Dixon and Terry McLaurin and Paris Campbell and K.J. Hill. He's not only going to throw to Austin Mack. But I'll be curious to see if it, if, if they're on the same team, if, it look, if that looks like anything. And then I think the other thing is Denzel Ward is gone. Kendall Sheffield had an up-and-down year, or maybe down early, and it started to go up and up and up as the season went on. What if Kendall Sheffield comes out and looks like, oh, that guy's a top-20 pick. Like, he's going to be awesome in the fall. He's super fast. Wow, he looks confident. Oh, my God, you can't get open against him. Like, not just guys that haven't done it, but guys that are showing next step, next level. I think Kendall Sheffield might be a guy like that. I think Malik Harrison might be a guy like that. Like, oh, Malik Harrison is all over the field. Is that Ryan Shazier or is that Malik Harrison? My guy, if you throw the ball in the flat, Malik Harrison is going to track you down. Like, I think there are some opportunities for guys who have played. And I talked to Malik Harrison about that. You know what I'm talking about. It's the next step. It's the good to great. Some guys make the... I haven't played to now I'm good step, but then there are guys who make the I'm good, I played, to now I'm a difference maker. And I think Malik Harrison is a guy, Kendall Sheffield is a guy. I think Jordan Fuller falls in that category. I think Jordan, I mean, what if Jordan Fuller is is some combination of Malik Hooker and Von Bell and Tyvis Powell and and like just as like a hitter and a and is a rangy guy and is out. You you he he's reading quarterbacks. He has a sixth sense where the ball's going. I think there are multiple guys to look for making that kind of step. I think yeah. Just to throw out like like I think Rashad Berry can be a guy like that because he's not going to be behind Marcus Ball anymore. Um, middle linebacker I think is if 
because they needed tough Borland is the starting middle linebacker or was and he got hurt and now they like I think it's the position that's maybe most up in the air I don't know if you guys would agree with that or not. Like, who's going to be the starting middle linebacker with Tuff Borland out? I would think linebackers as a whole is fascinating to me. Yeah, there's a lot of shuffling to be done there, but like that's a very, very important position is that middle linebacker spot, considering what they've had the last few years. And I, and I do think from again, we don't get to watch much. We've gotten to watch two brief flashes of practice, and they were early on. One yeah. was the first day, and one was like the fifth or sixth day, right? And the first day, Tuff Borland was there, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I think. For Justin Hilliard, with what you're talking about there, number 47, watch him. He's a guy who, it's not leg injuries. His has been biceps injuries. Three torn biceps, which is crazy. So a lot of times, because just a lot of times, guys, when you have injuries, it is leg injuries. It's your knee. It's your ankle. It's bulky hamstrings. And a lot of times, it's like, can the guy get loose and run? Can he run like he used to? That's not Justin Hilliard's issue. Justin Hilliard's issue, I guess, is is wrapping up and bringing guys guys down and that kind of thing. Yep. Which you won't, you'll see some of, but you won't see as much in the spring as you would in the fall. But the point is, when you've just been out and you haven't been in game action, and this is a guy that was a five star recruit in high school, I think you want to see Justin Hilliard look comfortable in game action. Does he look instinctive? Does he look quick to the ball? Does he look like a player? Does he look like a guy that at middle linebacker is making reads and figuring out where the what gap the run is coming through? Is this a play action, that kind of stuff? Or does he look rusty? Now, even if he does look rusty, he has time to get ready for the fall. But I I think it's on the table that people say, Who's that guy? Who's that? That looks is that a new freshman? Is that like a new five star recruit? I haven't seen him before. And it's like, no, that's like a fourth year guy who was a five star recruit, but when he's healthy, this is what he can do. Yeah. Look for Justin Hilliard to be a guy who looks like he's getting after it. I spoke to Hilliard a couple weeks ago. He said he's actually kind of taken a little inspiration off Johnny Dixon because he talked about how they spent a lot of time in the rehab room together. And he watched Dixon, who was healthy last year, really have an impact. He led the team in touchdown catches and I think that's a that's a source of inspiration for for Hilliard, seeing a guy that like him has been banged up for so much of his career, getting his opportunity and flashing. Johnny Dixon was the guy who we didn't think physically would maybe ever be able to do it here. Not his fault because his knees were letting him down. And then how many times that that guy got the ball and went? And it started with a really good spring game last year. He was the MVP last year. Spring games can matter. They can. Sometimes they don't. A lot of times They've they don't. have not mattered here, but th- yeah, like you said, this one does. Yeah. But sometimes they can. It helps bring Michael Thomas and Malik Hooker to uh, obviously tremendous seasons. It did. So is this game, the second part of Goon's question, is this the deciding factor for Joe Burrow? Of all these, like, how, like how important is this in the whole, for Joe Burrow for the rest of his football life as he is, he has a decision. Urban Meyer has a decision. And Bill, you can lay this out again just for people who maybe have missed it along the way. What Goon means by this question and then how big you think it is. Yeah, so Joe Burrow is on track to graduate in May. And he can graduate, transfer, and he would have two years of eligibility remaining um, immediately. He can play next year. either if, he's, if he leaves Ohio State, he can play next year and he has two years of eligibility left. I don't know why that was so hard to say. Um I don't know. Like I thought, I was actually uh, to to uh, to pull a Tim May. I was on the radio this morning, and somebody asked me this question. 
Um, and I'm not totally sure how much of an impact the spring game has on the quarterback competition because I've just like resolved myself to the idea that Urban Meyer is not going to name a starter coming out of the spring game, no matter what happens. Um, but that said, I think it does matter for Joe Burrow in the sense that if he is, in fact, going to leave, this is like one last chance for him, for a guy who has no film from last year, to remind programs in case they needed the reminder that he can play. And he's played very well in spring games. I said that in one of the videos we shot. I, I didn't pick him as my MVP, but I thought it was worth mentioning that Joe Burrow has played in two spring games and played very well. And I think it was not unreasonable to think he played better than Dwayne Haskins in last year's spring game or was the best quarterback on the field in last spring's, uh, last year's spring game. So it's important for him. I, I don't know. It's important for him to like put that out there as a reminder that he's good, but I don't know if this is any kind of ultimatum on the quarterback situation. I just I don't I don't think it's going to be. Someone asked that question. Let me see if I can find it. Um, it's it's that idea of what are the chances that we're going to get an answer from Urban. You know what I mean? Like that, that yeah. Urban's going to come oh, in the question too. Yeah. Um, and say like, Hey, here's, here's, here's the deal. Uh, you know, like, is that, is there any chance? Yep. I got Here it. we go. Lose it. Luke Ward. Yeah. At real Luke underscore Ward. Okay. Is there any scenario where Urban comes in post game and is so wowed by one of the quarterbacks performance that he says who the starter is, or at least who the leader in the race is? Or should we expect more coach speak where he says something like, they're all so close? Tim, you start. Uh, it's going to take a really good performance from one of the three guys. What I mentioned earlier that it's expected to rain. So that could end up being like a bonus for a guy if he ends up going out there and slings it and throws a couple nice passes in the rain and the other guys really aren't able to, to do much in it. I think it's always slim. I've said, I said a long time ago, I don't think he can close the door on anything in particular. I mentioned that in reference to Dan Martell. I don't know if you can ever close the door on anything in this situation, but I would put it only about maybe a 10% chance he goes out and names a starter because I think as much as the spring game matters because it's what we see, there's also 14 other practices that Urban has seen that we don't get to see that he's putting into this decision. He's not going to necessarily weigh it just on one game. I was just thinking to myself, we should ask Urban about this, and then I remembered that it's Wednesday and the Big Ten conference call is happening now. Yeah, but what what time's Urban? I'm looking that up. He's like one thirty, and right now it is about eleven fifty six. We got time. We got time. Yeah, I just wanted to be sure. He's at one thirty six. He's in ninety minutes. Okay, so we have to stop in the next. So we're fifty three minutes in. So we can't go like two hours and twenty. Unless minutes. we want to stop now and listen to Paul Chris. Oh, yeah. Well, what if we just made the rest of this podcast a live listen-in to every Big Ten coach on the conference call? We just <laughs> played the conference call live. Questions for Paul Christ. <laughs> Boop. Which fast food restaurant would you say you're more like? Yeah. Wendy's. <laughs> Can you imagine if someone, like if a listener said, like, I was listening to a podcast, <laughs> and they said that you might – went. Wisconsin football might be like Wendy's, but it also might be like Culver's. Paul, could you please break the tie? <laughs> um, I think the only thing is if he's not going to let – Urban's not going to make a decision based on the spring game. It's that if he's leaning something, if the spring game reaffirms something that he's seen 
for the first 14 practices. If he hasn't, if he's been leaning away, but he hasn't been telling us that, or if something happened in the last two weeks since we last spoke to him, and let's say Dwayne Haskins really came on the last two weeks, and then Dwayne Haskins goes out and lights it up, and it reconfirm it confirms everything Urban's been seeing, and Urban comes in. I think there's something where he can say, "Listen, this has been a close battle the whole way. Different guys have played well at different times, but Dwayne Haskins was great in the second half of spring, and he went out there today and looked like a guy who can who wants to lead a team." Um, I'm not naming him the quarterback, but I'm telling you someone would have to play really well to beat out Dwayne Haskins with what he's shown me the last five practices and today. Like, do you think that's possible? Yeah, I guess it's – and I, I didn't think about the the fact that we haven't talked with Urban. It, it will be two weeks since we last talked to Urban, really, because the conference call I don't think is going to really give us anything. But – so there's two weeks' worth of information that we basically don't have in the quarterback competition. The last time we spoke, it was even – it's very possible someone pulled ahead. So I guess I would give more credence to that, but I would still have a pretty low percentage, maybe like, uh, I don't know, less than 20% chance that that happens. Okay. Oh, and something to watch as well. I uh, just saw this come across Twitter a few minutes ago. Michigan has canceled its spring game for Saturday. I know. What? Well, weather? Iowa yeah. State did it. Wisconsin Iowa- did it. And now Michigan's done it. So now there's a question of, is there even going to be a spring game if all these programs around Ohio State are canceling their spring games for Saturday and there's weather in the forecast, there's now the possibility that Ohio State may not just, just not have one. The weather certainly looks bad enough to justify it. Really? Yeah. Thunderstorms and 100% chance of rain. And if Michigan can, can if Michigan cancels their spring game, it's certainly not out of the realm possibility for Ohio State to cancel it. Michigan's was supposed to be at night on yes. Saturday. I don't know. I mean, it's still so early. There, there are... Very few, maybe none. I mean, no no programs have a spring game like Ohio State has a spring game. A lot of teams, even, I mean, what I don't know what Michigan draws, but it's different if you're canceling a game that like 15,000 people come to versus you're canceling a game that like 70,000 people come to. Yeah. And they already bought tickets for it. I don't know. Yeah, what are we going to do if they cancel the spring game? I don't know. I mean, like, we should probably call Ohio State today and ask them, like, yeah. if that's even under consideration. Um, all right. Let's cancel the second half of this podcast. <laughs> we wouldn't do that to you. It would, be, it, would be, we, it would be awkward if we finish up the spring game podcast and then all of a sudden, once it finishes, two minutes later, Ohio State says, oh, we're not having a spring yeah. game. We'd just get our producer to add that on at the end of the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, could I speak to the producer of Buckeye Talk, please? Yeah, just put in the thing at the end that spring game's off. Uh, well, what if we said it at the beginning of the podcast? The preceding podcast was – yeah. the following podcast is – a. Is in reference to this year's spring game. However, Ohio State has announced that this year's spring game is canceled. It's a preview of a game that will not be played. <laughs> G. Nilly, is the talk of Urban using Martell at a different position this fall a ploy to keep him from transferring when he doesn't win the job? And then there's a second thing that we have to talk about, which is why I want to springboard off this. Uh, No, I don't think so, because it'd be an awfully strange ploy for a guy who like wants to be quarterback. Like, I don't... like. I, and, and the conversations with Tate Martell about the possibility of something like this, like, he hasn't really, like, juiced up about it. Just like, oh, yeah, it's something that we've talked about because he played other positions on the scout team. But I also think he's very worried about sort of being hemmed in as that kind of thing and then never being a quarterback again. So I don't know if that's, like, a thing you dangle in front of Tate Martell to keep him around. 
Like, do you, but don't you think playing something would be better than being just the third string quarterback who never plays? Yeah, oh. but not, but not enough to make him stay. Yeah, I would, I would agree with Bill. I think Martell came to Ohio State to be a quarterback and not to be an H back or a receiver or a running back. He came there to throw the football. No, I know, but we're not super far removed from Torrance Gibson. But if you're not, but no one's suggesting that they're going to move in positions. But if you're not, if the, if the answer is you are not the quarterback, so while you're not the quarterback, would you rather do nothing and never play, or would you rather maybe have a little thing to be involved in the game plan? Now the future's uh, your future is still at quarterback, and this isn't affecting that. But it's like, do you want to have a little fun while you wait, or do you just want to stand and hold a clipboard? Like, would that be anything? Or do you think that all Tate Martell cares about is, I want to be a starting quarterback, and that is my only goal, and whether or not I'm like a slot receiver for three plays a game, I don't care about. I think the last one. Okay. All right. The third option was left on the table, which is go somewhere else and practice playing quarterback and then start next year. Because even if you're not the quarterback, there's no guarantee. Dwayne Haskins is named the starter. There's no guarantee that Tim Martell's ever going to be the starting quarterback here. All right, so here's the question that I want to ask in the midst of the, our wonderful reader questions. Because I was on the radio a couple days ago, nice. and this is all we talked about. <laughs> How real is the possibility that Ohio State loses two quarterbacks between now and the start of preseason camp? Real. Pretty real, I, I think. I'm, maybe that's jumping the gun, but I... Yeah, I think it's real. I think... It's real, but not really realistic. And there's a difference when I say real versus not very realistic. When I say real, it's like, yeah, it could happen. I mean, it was a scenario we brought up last week. If Tate Martell wins the starting job, Joe Burrow and Dwayne Haskins can both decide they want to leave. I mean, that's certainly on the table. But when I, say, when I say not necessarily realistic, I also mean that a lot of things would have to happen for two guys to leave at the same time. I'm blowing my nose. Producer, take this out. <laughs> and again, I put last week. I put the odds of Martell starting at like ten points. Okay, I'm going to interrupt you. Sure, that's not what I mean. Let's talk about. Let's make it a realistic scenario. Okay, because that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about Dwayne Haskins as the quarterback. If Dwayne Haskins is the quarterback, what are the chances that Joe Burrow and Tate Martell both leave? That's the question. The other stuff is whatever. That's kind of like that could happen, but I think that. Why is that not very possible? Not, I think it is very possible. So, Tim, do you like do you like do you know what I mean, Tim? Like, don't you think that could be because? And it's not, and it's not. It's individual things. It's three individual things. Individual thing A is Dwayne Haskins is the quarterback. Individual thing is B is Joe Burrow sees that Dwayne Haskins is the quarterback, and Joe Burrow has to make his own decision about his future. And the separate third thing is. Tate Martell sees that Dwayne Haskins is the quarterback and has to make a decision about his future. And, and like the Joe Burrow, and I don't know that, like in that scenario, is are Joe Burrow and Tate Martell connected in any way? Because I don't think they are. I don't no, think I don't like think so. Joe Burrow would say, well, if Tate stay, if Tate leaves, I'll stay, or that Tate would say, well, if Joe leaves, I'll stay. Both of their decisions are only about Dwayne Haskins being the starting quarterback and being a fairly young player. So how, so how possible is that, and how much trouble would Ohio State be in if it happened? <clears throat> I think 
to start with your second question, it'd be disastrous for Ohio State because you would, it would leave Dwayne Haskins as your only healthy scholarship quarterback. You have Matt Baldwin, who just had ACL surgery. You know, he was on, yeah, in January. Matt Baldwin will be ready for the season, but it's right. still it's, yeah, it's not much better. And you don't want and you don't want to hobble two freshman quarterback as your backup. So it'd be a disaster for Ohio State. Matt Baldwin will be ready for the fall, health wise. Yeah, yeah. As far as I know, he had he had ACL surgery in January. It's a six month recovery, typically. He should be ready to go by fall. If Emory Jones was healthy and at Ohio State, and we were talking about the same thing, would it be less of a disaster if Tate Martell and Joe Burrow left, or would it still be a disaster? I think people would probably feel a little more comfortable about it just based on recruiting rankings, but in my mind, it's just as much of a disaster. Because you're playing a true freshman? If you're playing a true freshman, like who's it's like Deshaun Watson's not showing up here. Emory Jones is a good quarterback prospect, and I think Matt Baldwin's a good quarterback prospect, but I don't know if either one of them is ready to be an impactful player as a true freshman. Exactly, and I think with Martell, you know, if I were to put that percentage, and maybe if this percentage is contingent on Haskins winning the job and Burrow leaving would be 30%. Because I wonder in that scenario also, if Martell thinks, you know, the possibilities of if Dwayne Haskins is extremely, extremely good, he's a one and done and decides to leave after a redshirt sophomore season where he just lights up the Big Ten or whatever. I, that is – okay. So I, I want to talk about this. We don't know. We can't pretend we're in their heads. This is their lives. But I don't feel – I don't feel bad. Talking about transfers is always dicey. Most of the time – with talking about transfers, it's sort of like, well, is this guy who's the 85th guy on the roster going to transfer because he's fourth on the depth chart out of position and he's a third or fourth year guy and he's never played? Yeah. And that's not fair to talk about a guy that like you've just you're not good enough, you haven't played, like get out of here. Like that's not fair. That's not fair to start guessing about what guys could maybe transfer. This is different. This is more like these guys are all good. These guys all have potential. They're so good, they can't stay. So that's why I don't feel bad talking about it. But, and I don't, but I, it's just for the fans. I want the Ohio State fans listening to this to have an understanding of this, not to be panicked, but just to understand so like they're not blindsided if it does happen. But to try to have the context of this. So I'm trying to figure out, like, what is the best way to talk about this? Because I was going to say, like, well, what's the pitch that Urban Meyer... All right, you be Urban Meyer talking to Tate Martell when Tate Martell comes in Urban Meyer's office and says, hey, I want to leave. If Dwayne's the quarterback, I got to go play. Like, how do you get Tate Martell to stay? Is that worth going through? Or is that not... I just don't even know what it is. Well, I think it's what Tim said. Would the pitch be like kind of twofold? One that maybe Haskins is so good that he doesn't, he's not there for more than another year or like, Hey, Tate, we have an offense that's never produced a first round quarterback at a program that hasn't had one in forever, but this guy is the guy and he's going to be one and done. Like, I guess you can say that, but would you believe it if you're Tate Martell? Or that would also lead me to point number two. What if, if he goes, you know that guy, you know that Tommy Stevens guy in Penn State, we can do something similar. Maybe he won't be tight end, but they can how Tommy Stevens is the quote unquote lion of the Penn State offense. Yeah. And that's what has convinced Tommy Stevens to stick around, even though Trace McSorley's there for one more season. Tommy Stevens also isn't as good as Tate Martell. 
Like I'm not, I'm not. I'm just, I'm like playing right. devil's advocate. I'm, I guess I know, I understand. This is we need devil's advocate. We need two way discussions. That's what makes for entertaining podcasts. <laughs> but, but fuck, I talk. Um, I'm just like I don't. I think it's possible. But they brought these guys here. If if, and I think the the Burrow and Martell situations are very different. If Joe Burrow transferred. Joe Burrow's been patient. Joe Burrow's done everything asked of him. Joe Burrow, when he got here, like didn't know Dwayne Haskins was coming, didn't know what the situation was behind him. Joe Burrow is a guy that Ohio State had to go get. That was the exact right kind of guy for Ohio State to recruit. He's an in-state kid. Mr. Ohio has been a very good backup quarterback here, had like the unfortunate Injury that took him out for a little bit of last year. But if Joe Burrow leaves, that would be very, for lack of a better word, normal, right? Wouldn't that be kind of a normal transfer? It's an older guy who leaves as a grad transfer to go play right away. He just would have two years instead of one. But that's just how it goes, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's all in the range of normal. Yep. Mm -hmm. If Tate Martell transfers... It's hard to stack up elite quarterbacks. And this is why. Yeah. So if if Tate Martell transfers, something to me went wrong because Tate Martell knew that Dwayne Haskins was here when he decided to come here. And if if you're Ohio State and like you can't keep the next young quarterback expected starter here, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, but maybe it's guys transfer all the time. Like Georgia, I get the guys mixed up. Eason was the quarterback and got hurt, and Fromm came in, and then Eason transferred. Yep. Yeah. Now they had Fields coming in, and Fields is coming in. Yeah. So is it, or is this Clemson just had a guy transfer? Kelly Bryant was a starting quarterback. His backup, one of his backups, transferred right, and now Hunter Johnson is there as a five star, and then they're bringing another five star in this freshman class. So, so who's Clemson's quarterback this year? Kelly Bryant, right? Yeah, that's his name. I yeah. guess so. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Hunter, that is his name. Yeah, Hunter Johnson is a true freshman. No, Hunter Johnson, I think, be, is a, a redshirt freshman now. He's a redshirt freshman. Yeah. And then they'll have Trevor Lawrence, who's a true freshman and was the number one player in the 2018 class. So if Kelly Bryant gets hurt, Hunter Johnson's the quarterback because the guy in between them transferred? Yeah, I think that's this. Uh, is this interesting? I'm getting off the rails. <sighs> okay. Part of this, like if this happens, we're going to do like an emergency six-hour podcast about Ohio State. Joe Burrow, like if 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 Joe Burrow and Tate Martell both transfer next Monday, like we'll have plenty to talk about. And that's not going to happen. Let's just talk about this. We'll be back on Buckeye Talk. No. <laughs> Is it really because Dwayne Haskins, if Dwayne Haskins is your quarterback in the fall, if he doesn't get hurt, you're fine. Everything's fine. Yep. So the problem would be, and and if it's it's slightly complicated by the fact that Matthew Baldwin is injured 
and Matthew Baldwin is here, but he can't take part in any of this spring practice. If Matthew Baldwin wasn't injured, would this be fine? That even if Burrow and Martell both left, you know what? Okay, so you have a true freshman as your backup quarterback. Stuff happens. Be ready if it's your time, man. Like no, you're at Ohio not, State, be ready. It's not unheard of. It's not. Yeah, no, it's not the worst thing in the world. It's not. Uh, we're gonna play Jalen Marshall at quarterback in the Big Ten title game. Yeah. Cardell Jones gets hurt. And we do think, and Matthew Baldwin would be physically able to play in the fall. I think so. Okay. So the problem is that we think. I was listening to a podcast a couple weeks ago, and all three guys on the podcast predicted that Ohio State would win the national championship. <laughs> I can't remember what podcast that was. That's what we're talking about. We think this is a national championship caliber team. One through one through 44, as we just proved with our draft. Do we think that right now there are three quarterbacks on the roster that they could potentially contend for a national title with any of them? Because especially if they won that, like if Tate Martell beat out Joe Burrow and Dwayne Haskins, of course they could. Yeah. Because he just beat him out. Now, if, if Tate Martell stayed and like was number three and Dwayne Haskins and Joe Burrow both got hurt and Tate Martell was elevated from third, but he actually was the third best quarterback, like could they win a national championship? Well, he's still Tate Martell, baby. That's right. 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 It's hard to win a national championship with your third string quarterback, but he's Tate Martell. And Ohio State did it already. But what we would be talking about is a scenario where if Burrow and Martell both leave and something and Dwayne Haskins got hurt, Ohio State would now have a national championship caliber team in the fall quarterbacked by basically a fourth string quarterback. And that in the end is why we might turn this disastrous. Yes? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Fourth string quarterback who is A, coming off an injury, and B, a true freshman. Yes. And also only one year starting experience, correct? I also don't think it would in that in that specific scenario, I don't think Matt Baldwin's your quarterback. I think graduate transfer X is your quarterback. Because you have to bring in somebody. You can't have two college quarterbacks. You have to have three, at least. They want four. So, I don't, and I don't know what the market is. I have no idea. But they would go get somebody. And I imagine they would go get somebody who they probably feel a little more comfortable with over Matt Bobble. Okay. Someone who's played. All right. It's a, it's, it's, is it, it's like a complicated thing. We just want people to be aware of it. There's no reason to panic about it. But it certainly is out there. We cert- There are... It does not take a genius to think that if Tate Martell thinks he's blocked here, he might go somewhere else to play because he's good. Stort Mandel from The Athletic tweeted, Is anyone still holding a spring game this weekend? And Ohio State's football account retweeted a hand-raising emoji. Oh. For now. Okay. Yeah, I don't think they would cancel it. I think that was Urban Meyer tweeting that emoji himself. Yeah, Urban likes to operate the football main yep. Twitter account when he's bored. Um, is there anything else to say there? Like, I feel like that was a 20-minute discussion about nothing, but I just think people need to know about it. Yeah. Like, so they're not blindsided, but don't panic about it. Because at the moment, you have three really good quarterbacks. And and you're going to end up with a good starting quarterback. It's just like, it's a possibility we have not explored to this point, so I think it was worth mentioning because I don't, it's certainly not an impossible scenario. Yeah, I mean, it was 20 minutes, I think, of 
stuff that's, you know, all hypothetical. I mean, there's always a scenario that all three could still stay. I mean, that's also a possibility, but I'll bet I think you it's more realistic. $400 one. it doesn't happen. Well, I'm not saying it's not going to happen. I I have to imagine a guy's going to leave, but, I mean, you also have to consider it. I would never close the door really on anything. You get a lot of open doors in your house, man. What is – so do we, do we think it, that the most likely scenario is that by the time Ohio State plays its first game against Oregon State, that two of the three of Haskins, Burrow, and Martell are on the roster? Is that what we think the most likely scenario is? Two of the three? Mm, I'd say yes. I'd say yes. I'd say yeah, but not an overwhelming yes. It's like 51-49. And so, okay, so <laughs> what is more likely, one of the three or three of the three are on the roster one for of the, the first game? One of the three. One of the three or three of the three, Tim? Um I'd I'd have to agree with Bill and say one. Okay. What do you think? I'm not answering. Oh. <laughs> no. I, I mean, I think the only way. I don't agree with you, though, Bill. I don't. I don't agree that like one of the three is almost as likely as two of the three, because yeah. I do think. The scenario of like it's legitimately so close that like all three are in camp fighting for the job still is yeah that's possible. possible. And then like you don't, I guess you wouldn't transfer in September. I mean, I guess you, but I think you can transfer because if you transfer in September, then you can. Yeah, like Burrow wouldn't transfer in September because he couldn't go play. Like Joe Burrow can't transfer like on August thirtieth and start for Nebraska on September first, can he? I think it just depends on when the semester starts. Yeah, but but like if Tate transferred, then then he would still be able, like he'd be able to, he'd sit out this season and be able to play next season, yeah. right? Yeah. So um, I do think it's, I do think it's, there's been a, 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 to me, it's legitimate enough that it's this tight that they all three could be back at least for the start of preseason to watch it. But doesn't it happen in Alabama? It happens in Alabama that guys fight in the preseason, and then a guy transfers like at the end of August. Yeah, that happened a couple of years ago. And I guess I wouldn't be totally surprised if it happened there this year with Hertz and Tonga Vailoa. Yeah. Okay. Delillo, predict both Martell's and Haskins' stats for the spring game. You can do Burrow if you want, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Delillo. <laughs> uh, Dwayne Haskins will throw uh, for 271 yards, four touchdowns, and one interception. Tate Martell... Will throw for 88 yards, one touchdown, and rush for a touchdown. Joe Burrow will throw for. Are you writing this down, Delillo? Write this down. Is he saying 293 <laughs> yards and two touchdowns and no interceptions? Only 293 for Burrow, yeah. not 393. No. So right now you're predicting more than 600 yards of passing between the three quarterbacks. Uh, you said yeah. 270, 290, then 88. So that's easily yeah. over 600. Yeah, sure. All right. I don't know if that. <laughs> I, I like questions that are interesting ways to tell us something, right? Because yeah. that's the whole point of this podcast. We don't just want to say, 
Let's talk about who we think will look good in the spring game. We want interesting ways to basically get to that point. But we also want to tell people something with this. I don't know if we told anything people with that. I don't even know. I don't even know what you said. We're just throwing numbers out. Tate Martell, I'm going to say, is a 31 of 74. We, or, I guess my yeah. point is, like, how could you possibly predict stats for guys you don't even know how much they're going to play? I blamed a little. And especially yeah. with That's the weather conditions. Question. If someone throws yeah. to 200 yards in the rain. You know who's going to be the spring game star? Drew Crispin. Yeah. He's going to punt for two hours. Yeah, he's going to flip a bottle of rainwater. <laughs> Bill Ward at Mark the Narc 4. Who throws the first pick in the spring game and who makes the heroic catch, impressive catch of the game? First pick and the awesome catch. I think Dwayne Haskins throws the first pick. I, I think. I think I, I, I said this in the video. I just see like a Dwayne Haskins like out. Dwayne Haskins takes the first series like boom, boom, boom. Boom. Like his four for four for 71 yards. And people are like, oh, oh, my God. And then he throws one like right into Jordan Fuller's chest. <laughs> and like Urban throws his headset down and everybody goes, oh. And it's like, welcome to the Dwayne Haskins show. Which, and again, like, I think Dwayne Haskins is going to win the job. I think Dwayne Haskins is going to be really good. And I think Dwayne Haskins is going to lead Ohio State to a national championship. So, like, I'm not criticizing yeah. Dwayne Haskins, but I think every now and then Dwayne Haskins is going to make a mistake, and that's okay, and it's actually kind of exciting because I think he's going to make some throws. I think he's the kind of quarterback who can make some throws that are going to make take your breath away yep. in 2018, and I think sometimes he's going to try to put something in there, or he's going to say, hey, A-Mac, go get it, man. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, I knew I was thrown into double coverage. I didn't know it was triple coverage, though. Sorry about that. Yeah. And it's a pick, and that's okay. But that's why Haskins is my pick for first pick. That's, a, that's I agree. Same. Heroic catch. Who's your heroic catch of the day for Bill Ward? Rashad Berry. I was just about to say that. Really? Well, he's the best athlete of the pass catchers. Crazy. I mean, and he did two or three crazy things last yeah, year, right? So I think like he'll jump over somebody and catch a touchdown pass. I would also throw Jalen Harris in there. They're both basketball players. I wonder at halftime they'll have like a goalpost dunk contest since they're both former basketball stars. Tommy Togia lost the black stripe. Nice. Um, I also I picked Luke Farrell. I think as like my unknown guy of the game who like has like an MVP kind of game. So uh, again, Urban Meyer mentioned him this year. Um, mentioned him this spring. He he certainly is right there in the mix. It seems like to be the number two tight end behind Rashad Berry. Yep. Um, just like a big athletic, I think to to me, you know, he's he's just they've run some tight ends through here who are just big athletic guys that they don't throw to that much. Rashad Berry is another one of them, but I, we haven't seen much from Luke Farrell. I think maybe Luke Farrell could go up and make a play yep. that people say like are looking in their program to see who is that. And it's like oh, it's Luke Farrell because Luke Farrell like made a leaping 12-yard catch in the end zone. So that's my guy. Um, Let's see. Scott Duda, given how many four- and five-stars want playing time this year, do you see spring game as a last chance to get comfortable with the depth chart before they start thinking about leaving the program? Buckeyes are still four over the 85 number. They're actually three over. Three over. They're at 88 scholarship players right now. We've talked about this. Um, they got to get to 85. Yeah. Before the season. Yep. 
there are not obvious candidates. Again, we're talking about quarterback transfer possibilities, but there's no, we don't know what's going to happen with quarterbacks. They're, they're certainly not living in a world right now where their board has 88 scholarship guy, guys on it and it says, well, two quarterbacks are leaving, yeah. so we'll be at 86. <laughs> That's not what they're thinking. I don't no. think, I don't, I don't know that they're, they would be counting any of the quarter because they don't want them to leave. Like that's yeah, the thing. Yeah, like you can't, that. you don't want to count on something that you don't want. So they've got to have an idea or something for three other spots. So um, I do think it's possible. And again, we're not going to name names because it's not fair. But I do think it's possible that if you think, if you aren't sure whether you're the fourth or fifth guy out of position or the fifth or sixth guy out of position or the third or fourth guy out of position and then like you don't play in the spring game as much as you thought i think that can happen yeah i was just thinking that yeah and there are a couple there i can think of at least one position again i won't say what because it's not fair to the guys but yeah i think that's a scenario i i think in general i don't know it's, I guess it's a case by case basis. Really, how much of a move you can make in a spring game? But if you're standing on the sideline for two hours, that's a pretty good indication of yes. where you stand. I don't know. Yeah, I think there's probably more information that a player can glean from how the coaches use them than information the coaches can glean from how a player yeah. plays. Yeah. That the coaches are telling a player something like, "Look, it's the spring game. Everybody plays," and you didn't play much. Yeah. As opposed to like, hey. Like, that guy played awesome. I didn't know he was awesome. <laughs> like, of course they knew. Like, they had an idea that, again, guys can flash. But but if Malik Hooker came out and had a great spring game, that was because Malik Hooker had a great spring and then capped it off with the spring game. It wasn't that Malik Hooker, out of nowhere, in the spring game, showed for the first time that he was a player. Yeah. So yeah. it might be the first time for us as the media who doesn't get to watch practice, and for you, the fans, who don't ever get to watch practice. And by the way, we'll just mention this. There was no student appreciation practice this spring. So I, this is like not official word. I was just talking to some other people because I thought it was weird they didn't have one too. And I don't know really if I buy this as an excuse but apparently they had a very hard time with the student appreciation student appreciation day practices of keeping non-students out of the building. And like we've seen the old guys with the duffel bags full of footballs who show up to those things to get autographs. So I don't like that was what I heard is at least part of the reason why they didn't do it. Really? Yeah. Which is a shame if it's intended for the students, and they did a good job with it, uh, those were often not as well attended as I sort of expected they would be. Like, hey, like, you can come, like, be on the sideline during a practice and then, like, get autographs from guys who are going to be in the NFL in a year. Yeah. And there would be a decent amount of people there, but it wouldn't be, like, overflowing. But I get it. College students, it's like, you want to sleep. and Yeah, it was usually early on a Saturday morning. Yeah. Um, but there would be a way. You could do a quick thing of, like, show an ID to get in. Yeah, or scan IDs or something. I don't know. I, it's why I didn't really buy that excuse. Like, I get it because I wouldn't want those people in there either. But I, it seems to me like be easy to work around that. Yeah. And they made such a big deal of it early on of like, we want to reach out to the students and this is important. And and again, they did a good job of like having students come out of the crowd to kick field goals and yeah. have everybody gather around to try to like 
you know, make the kicker nervous and all this stuff. And they had food and they did, the players really did hang out and take photos with people and stuff. There'd be huge crowds around Urban Meyer and Braxton Miller and JT Barrett and that kind of stuff. They did a good job with it. Um, I'm a little surprised that it just kind of vanished. So Yeah. Maybe they'll do it in August. We didn't ask Urban about it because we have a lot of things to ask Urban about. But if we get Urban after the spring game, we'll ask why that didn't happen. If you had to identify as a certain type of food, what would that be? This is a question from last week from Dave Grothaus at Dave Grot87. Um, Pizza because everybody likes me. Hey! <laughs> that's so good. <laughs> but you're, but that's not, I don't, now, I'm not disputing that everybody likes you, because they do, but aren't you a soft pretzel? My favorite story about you is that your your snack at school when you were growing up was a soft pretzel from like the greatest soft pretzel place in America that was like a block from your house and you had a hot soft pretzel in your hand every day for snack. Yeah, it cost a quarter. Like the school sold them. Yeah. And you, everybody bought a quarter to school and you, you know, and you, if you got – so you could assign like specific duties when you're in grade school. Like some people like clap out the erasers at the end of the day and some people take out the garbage. Um, you could be assigned as a pretzel. I don't even know what they were called. Pretzel liaison. I have no idea. You would go down to the first floor where they have all the pretzels. You bring a bag for your classroom. You fill the bag up with the pretzels. You walk back up to your classroom. Maybe you eat like two or three on your walk there. Don't tell anybody about it. Then you take the quarters. You collect the quarters and you take the money back to the principal's office. But yeah. you were you were the vessel that brought the soft pretzels to everybody. You know that that's not how school worked <laughs> in anywhere outside of a two block radius of where you grew up. Yeah, probably. Is there a, is there a chart like in your house from like second grade where it says like what you want to be when you grow up, and yours says pretzel liaison like that? Yeah. It's I still yeah I still have it. I Daddy, yeah. Can I be a pretzel liaison when I grow up? So I can't believe that, that you wouldn't be a soft pretzel. Um, Tim, what would you be? I would say burrito because I feel like there's a, there's a lot of elements of me in one per- that are, are just wrapped up in the one package. Like I feel like I'm personable. You know, I obviously have a loud voice. At the same time, I'm also probably the most impatient person in the world. There's a lot of layers to me that all come like in one ogre. package. Huh? Ogres are like onions because onions have layers. Except I'm not. Except I'm not an ogre. I mean, people. He's a burrito. Face. Were you not listening? Yeah, but it's just a line from. Shirt, yeah, man. I yeah. know. I I love that movie. It's a fantastic film. I will say. Movie parfait. I think I am. Uh, I am a. This is what I am a plain double hamburger at McDonald's because <laughs> I'm cheap and bland. <laughs> And I might be horse meat. Um, <laughs> I always go, I go to McDonald's. That's what I get. Like, I get it like six times a week. I get a double hamburger plane, and I always say, I want a double hamburger plane, no cheese, just the meat and the bun to like reinforce the fact that I don't want pickles or ketchup or mustard or anything on that. Yeah. And then I break it in half, and then I have a one bun and a patty, and then another bun and a patty, and I put a little bit of ketchup on each one, and it's like I have two burgers. Why don't you let them put the ketchup on there? Because I want to control my ketchup. There's my ketchup. If I want, if I want like a little bit, sometimes I want more when I want less. They slather it on. They put too much on. I want to be in control of my own ketchup. 
But also is another thing. Like that would be yeah. like I'm a I'm a plain double hamburger that I put ketchup on because I want to be in control of my own ketchup. <laughs> um, that was a very deep question. I also read uh, – this made me worried a little bit. I read an obituary of a journalist the other day and I don't know why. But the person had died I think at the age of 69, which is not super old. And it's like, oh, you always worry. It's like, oh, they had a heart attack, like kind of out of nowhere. And then like somewhere within the thing, it was talking about how like they were a great journalist. And this person, she she was like a hard-hitting journalist who held uh, the government people in that town accountable. And every day she drank Coke and ate Velveeta. And everybody, like she didn't eat anything else. And everybody always noted her diet. And then it was like, yeah, and she died when she was 69 of a heart attack because she drank Coke and ate Velveeta every day. And I was like, oh, like that's like my double, like, oh, Doug Lane Reese. I'll tell you what, that guy ate at McDonald's every day. I don't know how he died at 55. It's like, oh, yeah, okay. Great story. Um, all right. Thank you, Dave Grothaus, for making us really uh, think about ourselves. That's deep. We are going to take this question and it might cause some hurt feelings, but we're going to do it anyway because it's interesting. We're going to make – we're going to come off bad. Oh, you're going to ask the question? This is a dangerous question. <laughs> But I have an answer, and I want to tell a story. Okay, that's good. But I'm worried. Should I not ask it? No, we'll ask it. Ask it, yeah. Sure. At Nikki Unders, this is from last week. We didn't ask it last week because I didn't know how to approach it. But we love Nikki Unders' questions because his his Twitter avatar is Alan Iverson. I think on the We're Talking About Practice Day. Is that the We're Talking About Practice yep. outfit? Yeah. Yep. yep. It's like a Red Sox hat. He might appreciate the shirt I'm wearing. Really? What is it? You and your <laughs> you and your internet t-shirts. It's an MB. What is it? Is it? It's just MB. It's, it's the old Sixers logo, like the golden Sixers logo, but instead of Sixers, it says MB. Nice. Do you think that the Eastern Conference Finals is going to end up being the Cavs versus the Sixers? I do. I actually think that too. Yeah. That's going to make for a very interesting. Uh, couple weeks. I would look forward to that. Yeah, it'd be really entertaining. Seven games. Mark it down. Which guys on the beat, outside of the Buckeye Talk squad, do you most appreciate admire their work? Who is the most fun to go out with on road trips? Ooh. Is that the one you knew I, that I was going to ask? I didn't, but I didn't know the second part of okay. it. Okay. So I want to tell the story. So the other night, we, they had a scholar-athlete banquet at Ohio State. And um, we were trying to figure out if we could go, who could go. We all have things going on at night. It's hard. It was like, like kind of like late notice. But Tim said he could go. Tim, be like hardworking man. And because we wanted to see if we could talk to some football or basketball players at the athlete banquet, maybe get some guys that we hadn't talked to. And we were talking about it and we said, well, who else is going to be there? And we said, well, we know Dan Hope's going to be there because Dan Hope from 11 Warriors is at everything. Yep. If there is somebody, if there's an Ohio State football player, future, present, or past, or someone tangentially related to Ohio State football who might be talking about Ohio State football in a venue within a 100-mile radius of Columbus, mm-hmm. Dan Hope will be there. And so Tim went to the thing, and then the thing ended early, unexpectedly, and we missed it. 
But I showed up, it was at the Ohio State Student Union, but my daughter and I were at something else and we were going to try to come and we couldn't make it. Tim, thank God, was there for us. And so we showed up at the Ohio State Student Union like at 8.30, way after the thing. And Dan Hope is there in the lobby of the union writing a story for 11 Warriors. And I said, I knew you would be here. <laughs> Wait, you were there? I was I was over off somewhere else writing a recruiting story after Sam Like Hope. at 8.30? Yeah, like 8.30. I forget when I left because I know I got there about 7.10. I think I left around 9 o'clock. I was there writing a story because Sam Howell, a four-star quarterback, committed to Florida State. I was maybe you didn't see me because I was over in kind of one of the, the corners over there. I bought a bottle of water, sat down and wrote, and then I moved to like the area under the staircase where you got like a little view of the South Oval. No, didn't see you. Dan Hope was right in the middle. But I told Dan Hope we knew you'd be here because you go everywhere, and we respect guys who go everywhere. So I just wanted to tell that story because we tried. Did I screw up your phone? We tried to make it, and we missed it. Um, and then Dan Hope. A lot of the best guys that we wanted to talk to no, didn't talk to anybody anyway. Yeah. But I just thought um, – I always respect – I mean like showing up is like 80% of it in this business. And so I yeah. think you always respect people who show up. And there's a lot of people on this beat who show up because um, you got to be in a lot of stuff. But I just thought that stood out. Yeah. Uh, who do I like? I, I like uh, – like personally, I don't have a problem with anybody on the beat. Oh, no, I have a problem with a lot of people. Yeah, I know you do. No, <laughs> <laughs> dying again. Doug and Ari have had fistfights. No, I like, uh, like I know he's a he's a former, uh, he's an alum of Buckeye Talk, I suppose, but I, I've always liked Ari's work. I think uh, Mark Givler at Buckeye Grove and Ryan Donnelly at Land of Ten do a really good job of covering recruiting. Like on a day-to-day basis, just like getting kids on the phone and giving quick updates and stuff like that. Um, they do an excellent job. I like reading both of them. And... Uh, in Boise, for the NCAA tournament, I shared a hotel room with Kevin Noon from Buckeye Grove, James Gregor from Eleven Warriors, and Austin Ward from Land of Ten, and they were good guys to share a hotel room with. I will say that it's a fairly collegial beat. Yep. I think people get along pretty well. Honestly, I mean, the biggest jerk on the beat is me. I, I don't think anybody would dis- – would anybody dispute that? No. If you asked other people, like, who's the biggest jerk on the beat? It's me. Yep. So, like, everybody else other than me is very easy to get along with. Um, and then there's a lot of people that have been here a long time. Like, there's a lot of people that have been doing this for a while. And then there's people that mix in. I feel bad that I don't know some of the younger guys and some of the newer guys as well um, as I knew some guys in the past. Um, but I also want to say – And I feel like I do have an appreciation of this. And I think Ohio State fans have an appreciation of this. Every day, we do go to work with a legitimate, like, legend. Tim May Mm -hmm. is truly a legend of, like, college football reporting. And um, both professionally and personally, I mean, he is such a unique character. He is so well-connected. He works his butt off. He's a guy who's been doing it forever and has lost 0% of his enthusiasm for the job, for college football in general. Um, he relates like he relates to 20-year-old kids very well because he's such like a friendly, outgoing dude. Um, and like it's always one of those things 
Like, whenever the day comes, and I don't know that it's coming anytime soon, because I think Tim is could do this for another 30 years. But when the day comes that Tim May is not covering Ohio State football anymore, everybody will know it. Yep. You will sense a hole in the beat. That's the, the other beat writers will know it. The players and coaches will know it. Readers will know it. Anybody who cares about Ohio State football will miss Tim May when Tim May's no longer around. And again, he's not anywhere close to being done. Um, but I think we owe an appreciation for that because that guy's been here since I've been doing this. This will be my 14th season. And that guy's been here. He was here long before that. And I can't imagine Ohio State football without him. I like Tim because for like his status on the beat and how long he's been doing it, like he could be a jerk and like kind of get away with it if he wanted to. Mm-hmm. And he is not. He is like the farthest thing from that. And he always like he'll come in. A lot of times we're in the room. We meet in the team room. That's where we meet with Urban. Um, which is the same room where the, the players have their meetings. And, uh, there's like a, there's like a main door and then there's like a side door. And a lot of times, like Tim, for some reason, everybody will be in the room and Tim will come in the side door and he'll shut, the door will shut and he'll say, Hey, thanks a lot, Urban. And like he always acts like he's just coming from a private five minute meeting with Urban Meyer which is a joke he's made like a thousand times. And it's funny every time. And also, like every now and then, I'm sure it's true. I was just going to say, like, it's not a, it's not true 0% of the time. No, and it's like, it's like, oh, is Tim May like out like getting secrets from Urban Meyer? Like, yeah, that's, I mean, if anybody was, it was him. So, um, but overall, if for anybody we did not mention, we also appreciate their work. I, I do think um, – it's a good it's a good beat. And it's a big beat and it's it there's a lot of people like guys like Steve Hellwagon's been around forever and uh Bill Rabinowitz has been doing it for a long time and Dave Biddle and there's a lot of people who've been around and there's a lot of new people like McGlade. Love McGlade. Yeah. Guy has secret weddings in New Zealand. What an that? Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, that's life on the beat. Maybe some people think that's interesting. Maybe some people think like please talk about the football team and stop talking about reporters. At Van Gogh underscore zero, compare Michigan's culture as viewed through the Amazon Prime series versus Ohio State's. Now, I have not watched any of the Michigan series yet. I know Tim watched some. We've talked about that. And I know, Bill, you said you watched the Ohio State episode. So I don't know if we have a read. Does anybody have a read on a culture comparison of what we know from Ohio State firsthand versus what we see from Michigan through this video series? Um, Well, I will say the start of the Amazon Amazon series – is like a, a couple minute team talk with Jim Harbaugh, and I'm trying to remember exactly what he said, but kind of some of the stuff he says is like you would never imagine Urban Meyer kind of addressing the team like that, and it's it's just they're different personalities. And Harbaugh admitted he's like some of you guys are look. This is Harbaugh saying like some of you guys are looking at me right now is like this guy's crazy right now. I, Urban Meyer probably would never say that or anything like that. It's there's two different approaches. I think Harbaugh he's intense. There's a little more like laid backness. When you get into the defensive room with Don Brown, I've seen two episodes. He is intense. I mean, the dude is the dude is energetic. He's fired up. He's got one of the best mustaches I've ever seen as far in college football. So much credit, much respect to Don Brown for rocking the mustache. Drake stash. But it's. I mean, I have to watch more of the series, and I admit it's my fault that I have not. By the time this podcast, it's not your fault. You blew it, man. Yeah, I mean, you don't have to watch it. It's I mean. Okay. 
It's weird because it's the Americans a, are on. It's a weird. Yeah, well, I don't watch that show. So Barry. I I admit I have like. It's weird to watch a series when you already know what how it ends. Oh right. Can we be fair about that? Yeah. Oh yeah. Like it's like, know. are they going to make the national championship games? No. Nope. And <laughs> and five minutes in, I I mentioned this I think to both of you guys that like they're in Rome and Jim Harbaugh is at the wishing well, drops a coin and makes a wish, and he said like someone asked him what his wish was, and he's like to win the national championship, and his daughter's like, you can't say what your wish is out loud. Well, that explains the season then, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I didn't. Like I just I just watched. Uh, However many episodes are. The second to last episode is the episode that, like, half of it is the Wisconsin game, half of it is the Ohio State game. Um, and I was just curious to see, like, how they handled the rivalry, like, inside the walls of, what's just the Schembechler facility, they call it, right? Um, and it, you didn't see a ton of it, but, like, I thought it was possible, like, Jim Harbaugh was standing in front of the team with, like, steam coming out of his ears, pounding his fists on the table, trying to hammer home the point of what the rivalry means. And, like, there was a little bit of that. But what I saw from him was less intense than what I would imagine Urban Meyer is like every day of that week. Well, one thing to note as well with the series, Michigan had license to edit down whatever they felt like they wanted to take out of that series. So that's why the episodes are only 40 minutes. I was assuming it was going to be hour long, hour 10, hour 20. The episodes were like 40 minutes long. So I'm assuming Michigan obviously had some license to kind of say like, okay, Amazon, you can't put this in, but you can put this in, something like that. I did think it was funny. One part, it was during the Ohio State game. And something happened, and they showed Pep Hamilton in the box. And Michigan made a mistake. It might have been an interception. And, like, it was it was an opening for a coach to, like, scream the F word. And then Pep Hamilton was in the box. And I guess he doesn't curse because he literally yelled, fudge. And I thought it was like, fudge! I was like, well, I don't know who actually did that. Like, he wasn't, like he wasn't censored. I don't, And maybe he said it because he knew he was on camera. But instead of yelling the F word, he just yelled, fudge. Wow. In a box full of football coaches. Well, wait a minute. What if that could have been the signal for one of the interns to go out to the media table, grab a brownie, and bring it back to him and be like, oh, thank you. That's true. That's true. It's been a request. If I yell fudge ever, that is what it means. It means I want fudge because if I'm angry, I wouldn't say fudge. Um, I thought this was – this is just I think is a funny question. I have no idea what the answer is. What's the worst question you've ever asked Urban Meyer? Oh, uh, considering I I can count uh, the questions I've asked him on one hand, I think I'm ineligible. Tim came to a press conference one time and just rattled off nine hot questions about Alex Grinch. Yeah. It was only three. It was like 15. <laughs> it was good, though. Uh, I don't know. I'm sure I've stumbled through plenty of questions and just got lucky that he answered them. I don't, off the top of my head, I can't think of one. The the question, I, I don't think it was about – this is not the answer to the question, but I remember asking in 2015, like, I don't know after what game it was – but during like the quarterback back and forth, I asked Urban Meyer, like, how do you think you're handling this quarterback thing? And he was sort of like, what do you mean? Like, uh, do we win the game or whatever? Yeah. And like he got he got ticked off. Um, but I actually thought that was a good question. So I'm sure I've asked bad questions. Sometimes you don't read him right. Yeah. And that's when you when you get in. Because most of the time, you don't even have to ask a great question for him to give a good answer. He yeah. is very good. To work with as a reporter in a press conference setting, which isn't the only deal, but he's we've talked about he's never had a blowout, a public blowout with a reporter, and he answers your questions. He answers your questions, and your question can be all over the place. You can ask a recruiting question in the middle of the season, and he'll 
talk about it and yep. you can ask. He he answers almost everything. And, and even if your question is not great, he'll answer it. Um, but sometimes if he's in a bad mood and you don't read it right and you try to get him to be philosophical, he's just like, I'm just trying to win the next game. Yep. And it's like, it's like, oh, I didn't read him right because I should have been able to read that he was not going to answer that. So I should ask something else. So I should have just asked like how the tight ends look. Yeah. So, um, yep. We have a couple that'll be better later on. We'll almost finish up here. John Darrow. Could the indecision on a quarterback be that Urban has to see Haskins vastly outplay the competition because his style is not what Urban is comfortable with? <laughs> that, um, that like he like maybe Haskins is winning, but Urban just like can't bring himself to anoint a pass first non running quarterback. I think that's actually a good question. I don't know. Like, why did he recruit him then? Like, I get the yes, question. I get the question, but then why did he recruit him? Which is, I mean, again, we've been asking about that with yeah. Dwayne Haskins since the beginning. It doesn't seem like Dwayne Haskins is exactly the Urban Meyer type of quarterback, but he brought him here. So how can you not want what you picked? Yeah, I'm not, I'm, and I'm not saying that he that that's this isn't the case. Like, I think it's a valid question. It is a valid question, but for it's sure. just like if that ends up being a factor in the quarterback competition, then it's like, well, what the heck were you doing, Urban? There are a million quarterbacks in the country, and you picked the guy who you knew you never were going to be comfortable playing? Yeah. So I just can't imagine that being the outcome. I, I don't think that's what it is. I don't think. I think he's fine with it. I think it's – I think he's – when you recruit Dwayne Haskins, you do it knowing that it's like, I want that upside of that arm and whatever. Like, So I just think they – it might take a little while to come around, but I, I don't think that's what it is. It, it, it will be an adjustment on his part because – I mean, at Ohio State, he's had Braxton, he's had JT sprinkling in with some Cardale in there. So all he's known at Ohio State is run first quarterback. So this will be a, a weird time where he doesn't get to run as much read option as he wants because that's Ohio State's bread and butter offensively. So maybe there's – I don't know if there's a lot of that in there. I'm sure that's probably a thought that's in there. But the the arm talent should outweigh all of that, I think. Michael Wine asked a bunch of good questions. We can't get to all of them. But Michael Wine – who's at Buckeye underscore seven, and Brian Smith, who's at B-R-Y-W-I-T-H-A-Y-9, Bry with a Y, which is a funny name. Mm -hmm. Bry with a Y and Michael Wine both asked about visitors for the spring game. Yes. Brian said, who are the most anticipated recruits visiting and who should we be on commitment watch for? And um, Michael wants to know, Again, who will visit for the spring game and, may, and maybe commit that day? Who are the guys that we should be on alert for? Well, what's interesting about the spring game is it's going to be the first time that you can actually have official visits to the spring game. And there's a couple notable ones in particular for uncommitted guys. The number one is Garrett Wilson from Lake Travis, uh, Matthew Baldwin's teammate. He's visiting this weekend. He's visiting Texas next weekend at their spring game. We talked about it last week, so I won't go into too much detail about it. And then after then, he'll make the decision. The other guy... Four-star center by the name of Harry Miller. He's from Buford, Georgia. He put Ohio State in his top five, I believe, at the end of February. He was originally listed as an offensive tackle. Now he's listed as a center, number two center in the country, 247 as a number 54 overall. This is his only official visit scheduled. So, I mean, if you want to put that on commitment watch, I wouldn't have a problem with that because, I mean, he like if, if, if it wasn't the case, then why is this his only official visit for now? This could be a thing where he's already decided he wants to see it. Maybe 
This could be a this could be another chance for Ohio State to really bolster its offensive line class, which already has Doug Nestor and Ryan Jacoby from Mentor. And another one to watch, Noah Potter from Mentor, Ryan Jacoby's teammate. Yeah, Noah Potter is like <clears throat> just on commitment watch forever until he does it. But I think there's a very strong likelihood that he commits to Ohio State and I think Ohio State's ready to take his commitment. It's just a matter of if, whether or not he wants to do it. So, okay. I mean, right now, right now, the most likely I think would be uh, Miller and Potter. Yeah, and then that sounds right to me. And then if you get Miller, who's top sixty with Doug Nestor's top sixty, you already have the cornerstones of a really good offensive line class, which is something that we've talked, Bill and I've talked about before. It's a massive need for Ohio State to fill. And if your three of your first five commitments are good offensive linemen, you're in great shape. Yep. All right, I wanted to get – this is a good topic. I wanted to make sure we got this. This is from Fast Eddie, at Edward Waller. Tony Alford has said Antonio Williams is much improved this spring and that he is now worried about hurting a player's feeling – oh, that he is not worried about hurting a player's feelings with regards to playing time. Do you think that means Williams will see significant playing time? If so, what is the carry breakdown percentage by running back per game? Antonio Williams into the mix with Mike Weber. And J.K. Dobbins, I have my answer, but I'll let you guys go first. Uh, I I just don't think he's part of it. Like, uh, like he wants to know what the breakdown of carries is between the three. Yeah, just like, do you think? But basically, bottom line, do you think that means Williams will see significant playing time? No, 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 and, I don't think so. An injury would have to happen. Yeah, it's just a spring story. Yeah, it's not true. I mean, I, I people say stuff. It's uh, it's congrats. It's great for Antonio Williams that a guy who. You could be behind J.K. Dobbins and Mike Weber and look at yourself and feel like you're blocked and give up, and he hasn't done that. He's improved. He's gotten better. But no. And you, I mean, and, yeah. and, and here's the thing. And again, coaches sometimes talk about this. Could Antonio Williams get like 17 carries against Tulane and run for 125 yards? Yeah. In the second so, half of garbage time, yeah. like just like Demario McCall has like a 100-yard rushing game. But that doesn't that doesn't mean that's not what you're talking about. They're not they no, they're not gonna they're not adding a third running back. They still they don't know how they're gonna get Dobbins and Weber the playing time they both want yeah. while they're gonna throw the ball with Haskins, so no. So it's a wonderful thing, but it's just like we're not the thing you've got to remind yourself every time when you're writing is you're not writing for the players and the coaches. It might be lovely for a coach to see his words out there, and it might be lovely for a player to have a story written about him, but that's not who we're writing for. We're writing for the fans. We're writing to give you guys information, and I don't think that that is just like a realistic scenario. How? Doesn't make any sense. Oh, wait. I think think J.K. Dobbins might win the Heisman. Oh, let's take away 30% of his carries because Antonio Williams had a good spring. It's nothing against Antonio Williams. It's just not realistic. I agree 100%. That's why we didn't write about it. Pizza combos may be the perfect road trip food from Jeremy Strayer. I just wanted to have someone say that since I said it last week. Topic. Best road trip foods tie to Ohio State football. What road trip food is each member of the coaching staff and why? <laughs> this will probably be our last question because it's impossible to answer. That almost that second question is almost like a podcast topic oh in itself. God. What road trip food is Taver Johnson? What juice, road trip food? Juice box. Yeah, juice box. All right. All of a sudden now this isn't as hard as it <laughs> sounds. Um, I mean, it's one of those things you can't do it with like 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 
without insulting people. Yeah. I mean, it's like, who's like, oh, I think this guy's a big old cupcake and this guy's <laughs> like a carrot stick or whatever. I mean, it's like, there's no way to do it. Um, so let's just, we won't do that. It's too hard. We need to like spend a whole month writing yeah. down that. What's your favorite road trip food though? Like to eat when I'm driving in the car? Correct. I don't like eating when I'm driving in the car. What? You don't eat in the car for real? That is such a good thing. Yeah, I try. Yeah, I try not to. You try not to. Oh my yeah. god! I, I drink am- a lot of coffee. You do drink a lot of coffee. Yeah. I admit I don't eat and drive often. I did to Rutgers, and when I did, I grabbed a little thing of pretzels and a like a Coke Zero, and I was good. Just keep one hand on that wheel, keep that other hand dipping in that pretzel bag, and just grab one. This is, this is the king of the shotgun pizza you're talking about. Oh, my God. What I – I at a time in my life, I thought I ate about 30% of my meals while I was driving. Do you guys eat meals? Like – No, like I'll – so like I just drove back from Myrtle Beach. Yeah. On Sunday and it was like a 10-hour drive and I'm trying to think. Like I grabbed a breakfast sandwich from Dunkin' Donuts when I left and I ate that in the car. But then for lunch, I had – I think I stopped at Arby's and I like got out of the car – and ate in the Arby's. Just mostly just like to break it up a little bit so that I wasn't sitting in the car for 10 straight hours. Wow. I don't think there's any food in America that I have not eaten while I was driving. But my problem, my, a, lot, a lot of my issue with eating in the car, like when you're eating, like snacking or like eating a bag of chips, whatever, that's fine. But like if you're pulling through the McDonald's drive thru and like you want to get chicken nuggets, like I want to dip those nuggets in a sauce and I have a hard time doing that when I'm driving. Oh yeah, you need some coordination, and it's not like when you're driving. It's not like when you're on an airplane, you just pull out a tray table. You can't exactly have a tray table in your car, so you can just pull it up, put the sauce there, and just try and guide it without looking at it. I feel like I could teach a class on how to eat everything while you drive. It's probably not. I probably have gone beyond the bounds of safe driving. Yeah, (laughs) but shotgun pizza is a a good way to go, though. Yeah, shotgun pizza. I've eaten a Chipotle burrito. That I, is baffling. I've eaten me. salads. I eat it with my fingers, but I eat but a salad. Because well, you, you go no dressing. I go no dressing. Yeah. So You're I just eat, foraging in your I eat a car. salad with yeah. my finger. Um, yeah. No, that's probably it. I'm, I, I've, I've had some very unhealthy realizations during this podcast that I probably, <laughs> while I'm hacking up a lung, take that out. Um, all right. Listen. This podcast, we recorded it, and it's 150 – it's an hour and 57 minutes. By the time our producer gets done editing it down, it'll probably be a tight 50-minute podcast. <laughs> so if this is not a 50-minute podcast, then you know that our producer took a buyout. So um, <laughs> spring game Saturday at Ohio Stadium. A couple more stories and videos previewing the game coming on Cleveland.com between now and then. So then here's the other thing. After spring football, oh, this is for the loyalist of the loyalist of the loyalist. I don't know how we're going to do this because we didn't think about it enough. We want to have a meetup at the spring game. I will bring donuts. All right. West lot, the West lot, right? Yes. I don't know how we'll signal it. You know what we look – well, do you know what we look like? You listen to us talk on a podcast. Does that mean you know what our faces look like? Tim will stand on top of your car waving donuts in the air. Yeah. West lot, the game's at one thirty. What time did we say we wanted to be, be there? Like 10.30. Is 10.30? Is 10.30 too early? Is 10 too early? 10's early. 
All right, 10.30? Like 10.30 to 11.30? Yeah, let's yeah. do that. That sounds good. All right. Between 10.30 and 11.30 on Saturday in the west parking lot of Ohio Stadium, we will be there with a donut. There are no other pro- – here's the promise. Three lunkheads and a donut. So if you want to come have a Buckeye Talk meetup, meet us there. If you are listening to this and you think you might come, tweet at us. Tweet to the Buckeye Talk pod Twitter account or any of our three Twitter accounts at Tim Bielek, at Bill Anders 25, at Doug Maurice. Give us a heads up. We want to try to – we'll do more of this in the fall. We're trying to have ideas about other gatherings we could have, whether to record a podcast during the week and have people there, maybe have people there at a Facebook Live show, maybe do some kind of – I don't know, in Cleveland, in Columbus, on game days, maybe at road games. I don't know. We want to we wanna do a better job this fall of, of locking that down to have some opportunities for us to meet you guys. But for now, we'll do this. Spring game should start around 1.30 or 1.45. 10.30 to 11.30 in the west parking lot of Ohio Stadium on Saturday. We'll be standing there, maybe in the rain, with a Krispy Kreme donut, and we will give it to you if you show up. In appreciation for listening to a two-hour podcast. That's, and I can't even imagine like how many, it's like two hours of podcast, like 200 podcasts, like 4,000 hours of, I guess not 4,000, 400? 400 hours of podcast listening, get you a free donut. It's like a punch card. Yeah. If you've listened to 400 hours of podcast, get a free donut. So we'll do that Saturday to thank you guys. A tiny, 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 tiny show of our appreciation. So we will do that. We also will continue to do podcasts after spring football. Can we 100% promise a podcast every week all summer? Maybe not. Yeah, I, I, I think we'll be able to do it. I don't know. We have vacations and, and stuff, so we'll have to see. But we're going to we'll keep aim, doing. We'll it. aim for it. It's, and we might not hit it every week. It's not. It's not like we're taking the summer off. But we definitely have stuff to preview the NFL draft. We have spring football to wrap up. We have some other things we want to do. We still want to get Kyle Snyder on. Uh, we still want to have some other. Maybe we'll have some guests um, and do that kind of thing. So anyway, I wonder. Uh, the review we read at the beginning where the guy suggested a separate channel for a basketball podcast like is intriguing to me so I would just wonder like if you're listening and you have thoughts on that send them to me on Twitter well but the thing is I mean we don't mix in basketball talk that much no but people who are subscribed to Buckeye Talk and don't want to listen to basketball get it on their phone anyway and then they just delete it it says basketball podcast right at the front of it I know that I don't think it's as much of an inconvenience as it was portrayed to be but if people would be interested in a separate basketball channel, I would hear them out. That's all I'm saying. But then we'd have to create another separate SoundCloud account beyond the Pinecast separate account to make it happen. And we'd have to pay for the SoundCloud. Right? Not necessarily. All right. Landis has a plan. Tweet Landis. We'll figure it out. Thanks to you guys for listening. Spring games coming Saturday. If you can make it to the meetup, uh, to the greet, what's it called? A meetup? A greet up? That would be great. It's a donut up. It's a donut up. Um, for Tim, for Bill, 
I'm Doug. And that was Buckeye Talk.